0: Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that motivated our lives. I am your host, Moon Person, Rod, and I'm joined by...
1: A tolerable wife, Jess.
0: <laughs> I agree, you're pretty tolerable. Ah! Quite tolerable, tolerable indeed.
1: I'm upset. I am offended i will continue to eat my
0: unripe don't, don't, wine she's 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 got a bowl of grapes on the table and this told is it, for you kids no no don't chew the grapes <laughs> i don't chew in the microphone you're just gonna make everybody upset
1: mostly just you
0: okay anyway if you're new to the show let us explain um media Made is a show where we talk about movies music and tv today we're talking about tv Yeah. We've gone through a list of every television show that debuted in the year 1995, and we've decided which one each of us had seen the most of. You know, in Jess's case, she's watched this show from start to finish most often. Multiple times, yes. And I've seen the most episodes of my show than any other show that debuted that year. Um, Let's
1: just say it's going to be a very cozy episode. That's what I was going to
0: say. It's going to be the coziest media made episode ever.
1: Pull up a glass of tea. I feel like most of those. If you words got a were fireplace,
0: wrong. you know, fire it up. It's good because, you know, it's like perfect because it's coming out right around uh, Thanksgiving time. Oh
1: yeah, boil some cinnamon sticks in water, make the whole house smell like cozy, and now uh, listen have to some, this episode.
0: Have some like pumpkin spice coffee, <laughs> or uh, I don't know what what is apple cider. Do people do that?
1: This episode's gonna have some real Christian Christian girl fall pumpkin vibes.
0: Some cottage core. <laughs> Have some pumpkin pie. <laughs> it is legitimately going to be the coziest episode of Media Made ever. Uh, there will be some screaming. A little bit. <laughs> some exasperation for sure. But I guess let's get this thing started.
1: All right. Let's gonna start get off- it started. Huh? We're
0: going to start off with my show. Debuting November 6, 1995 on CBC. That is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation Ooh. and Nickelodeon simultaneously. Oh. Created by Else. Homeland, Minarac, and Maurice Sendak, uh, featuring the voice talents of Kristen Fairley, Amos Crawley, Tracy Ryan, Andrew Sabiston, Elizabeth Hanna, Janet Lane Green, based on the book series of the same name, that is Little Bear. And little bear.
1: How is it possible that you had more trouble pronouncing these Canadian names than you do Japanese names?
0: I'm t- I'm tired and I have like it's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in need for cozy. You know, so, so I I was I gra- I have a I have a Dr. Pepper over there to give me some energy and I think like it's got my my tongue all twisted.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, you should have
0: had some of these grapes. No grapes.
1: This 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 raw wine. <laughs> this undercooked wine.
0: All right, little bear. A uh, Little Bear is another preschool show. Uh, believe me, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the last one. Mm. We, we talked to Barney in 92. I think this is the last time we have to talk about a baby show.
1: Mm, let me check.
0: <laughs> baby show. Okay, Little Bear, um, I watched it on Nick Jr.
1: <laughs> you were a junior.
0: I was a Nick Jr. Um, you are a junior. It wasn't my favorite show on Nick Jr. That would be Blue's Clues. Yes. But... It's like I don't know, like I, it was so inoffensive. It was like no one could be bothered by Little Bear, you know, when you're a child, I guess, you know. But it's like nobody's favorite show. That's I
1: okay. Look, you say that now. Watch, you're gonna get on Twitter, start hashtagging this, and you're just gonna find
0: a deep underground Little Bear community. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, and like when I think back, Little Bear most reminds me of days when I stayed home sick from mm. school because you know you. When you stay home from school, like, you end up watching all the daytime TV, and that's when you got your Nick Juniors and your PBS preschool shows all airing, right? Right. And so, like, I'm a little kid. I'm stuck at home. I'm sick. There's nothing to watch on TV but baby shows. So it's just like you watch Little Bear because there's nothing else on. It's either that or Maury. Should have watched Maury Pulvich. Or, uh, like, some random soap. Good Lord. Could you imagine if Maury
1: was your show?
0: Ugh. No, no, but like, I remember, like, I most remember Little Bear, I remember falling asleep to Little Bear while sick at home in bed.
1: Cute.
0: This is the show you fall asleep to. That's fair. It's such a quiet, cozy little show.
1: That's true, but I fall asleep to Rich Evans laughing, so.
0: (laughs) Either way, it's such a, it's a very quiet, unassuming little show about a bear who lives with his mom in a, in a cottage in the woods. Yeah. And it, he gets on little adventures.
1: It's a lot of like long silences with like, soothing music. It is a very, like I could 100%, I would put this on to put a child to sleep when they're sick.
0: The best part of the freaking show is the soundtrack. Uh, the the score. score. Yeah, even though it, we it's- We will call this a score. I looked it up on YouTube. I assu- it, it made it seem like there's only six minutes of score that is perpetually looped huh. through the whole show. Is it? I, I, that's what it seemed like to me. Our uh, research
1: isn't going to be that in-depth. You,
0: you look up Little Bear score on YouTube, and like you only have a six-minute video, <laughs> and it's like, ah, I guess this is it.
1: <laughs> I hope you just put it on loop under this and just see if it...
0: Oh, no, no, no. I won't do that to people. <laughs> Listen
1: closely, guys. It's just the same six minutes playing over and over.
0: Did you watch Little Bear as a kid?
1: Uh, yeah, I definitely caught a couple of episodes. Not a couple. I, I caught quite a few episodes. Uh, I can't remember any... <laughs> Any at all, but I know I'm like I know what a little bear is, and I I know of a little girl that eventually pops up yeah,
0: a little human girl.
1: Yeah, so mm. yeah, yeah.
0: There's not much to it. It no. reminds me a bit like Arthur or Franklin.
1: Franklin was the turtle. One, the right? turtle, mm. and then Arthur was the aardvark. It makes sense that like later on, Rocco's Modern Life was a thing because right, like that was the group of. People who had aged out started making... No, no, no.
0: No, they're all contemporary. They were just
1: like, ah, you're still kids. Let's just make an edgier animal
0: show. Talking animal shows. It's like a cartoon staple. That's you know? fair. But let's talk about how the show was made. Okay. Danish-American author, Els Homland Minerak. Uh, Minerak. Minerick?
1: Yeah, I was about to say Tesseract. <laughs> Is it pronounced like Tesseract?
0: Danish-American author, Els Homeland Minerick. Mm-hmm. who worked as a first grade teacher during the 1950s, set out to write her own children's book when she realized how few titles her students and her children could read on their own. Mm-hmm. So just like the lady who Barney. created Barney, this woman recognized the need and then filled that need. I respect that. Respect the hustle. Her first book, simply titled Little Bear, was published in 1957 with illustrations by then unknown illustrator Maurice Sendak, who is now best... Known for what book? Do you know?
1: Did we already watch a show about Mm-mm.
0: it? It's like when you when you ask, like if you say Maurice Sendak, most people will tell you this one book.
1: I don't, I was never a child.
0: Where the Wild Things Are.
1: Oh, I never would have gotten that. I've never read it.
0: So the guy who did Where the Wild Things Are drew all the pictures for Little Bear.
1: Oh, oh, Maurice.
0: Maurice Sendak.
1: I, I kept hearing Mary Sendak. No,
0: Maurice. Got it. Maurice. It's a good, Crazy name. old
1: Maurice.
0: <laughs> Minarik was inspired by her childhood in Denmark, especially Hans Christian Andersen stories. Makes sense. And visits to the Bronx Zoo after her family immigrated to the United States. Cute. She said, "Quote: Mother took me to the Bronx Zoo every day, and I fell in love with the cubs. My bear, my bears were were a family."
1: I mean, it was the 1950s. That feels like mother took me. Yeah, no, that feels
0: right. <laughs> that tracks. A little bear turned out to be a huge success. Five more Little Bear books were released over the next 10 years, all written by Minarik and illustrated by Maurice Sendak.
1: Okay, that's a nice little tale.
0: So, you know, this this show is based on a book.
1: Did she make a lot of money doing that? I hope so. Did she make some money doing that? Probably. Was she, you know, ch- cheaped out of her money because she was a lady?
0: Not that I know of. <laughs> Jumping ahead to 1989, Canadian animation studio Nelvana hit it big with Babar. Baba!
1: King Baba! Apparently, I
0: watched Babar as a kid. I, I love
1: re- Baba! I don't remember
0: anything about Babar, but my mom says I watch it a bunch. I
1: remember it being pronounced Baba! Baba! Baba?
0: Anyway, um, that was adapted from a book series by Jean de Brunhoff. Uh, this success led Nelvana to acquire the rights to several more book series, including The Adventures of Tintin, mm-hmm. The Magic School Bus, okay, and Little Bear. Ah! Both... Else Holman Minerick and Maurice Sendak were reportedly, quote, closely involved with the creative process of The Little Bear Show. And Sendak, an executive producer, was particularly involved with the show's production. Okay, that's cool. So, like, here's where it gets weird. Like, when I was, like, doing my research, I looked and found, like, promotional materials and uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. And, like, Sendak was the guy doing all the interviews. Like, Mm. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because I mean, he drew all the pictures, and obviously, right. like this helped launch his career. But I also saw logos that just called it Maurice Sendak's Little Bear. Yep. See, just that's, I, what, I, that's what I was saying. I saw some media critics calling it the like erasure of Minerick, you know, and I was like, uh.
1: no, I'm. I, that's why I was like, it's yeah. the '50s, and a woman who also had a job published a book. Good on her and an immigrant, because she she was alive when they immigrated. Yeah, nah, she's not She's not getting the credit or the money she deserves. And End statement. Yeah. It, did she marry an American man? I don't know. Like, oh, an American... I was just like, oh, man, she probably got the short end of several sticks,
0: but... But if she was involved with the show. Like, her creative vision was at least there. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, people mostly attribute this, attribute this show to Sendak now.
1: Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah,
0: it's a little annoying. That's well, big
1: annoying. Hey, all those big Little Bear fans out there and it's your favorite it's your favorite show out there, be annoyed out loud. I'm in
0: 1995, Little Bear debuted simultaneously on the CBC network in Canada and Nickelodeon's Nick Jr. block in the U.S. I, uh, I reached out to friend of the show, Andy Svateri mm. of ZeldaDungeon.net, <laughs> uh, who lives in Canada, and I said, Hey, is CBC a real thing in Canada? And he's like, Yes, it's like our CNN. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah... Little Bear aired on the Canadian CNN.
1: (laughs) Good job, CNN. CBC.
0: Uh, Speaking of Nick Jr., this daytime preschool block debuted on the network in 1988. I figured I had no other place to talk about Nick Jr. and its genesis. But here. Sega uh, genesis. Nick Jr.'s early years primarily relied on existing programs like Pinwheel and imported international programming like Maya the Bee. However, after years of declining ratings, Nickelodeon spent thirty million dollars to revamp Nick Jr.'s on-air branding in 1994. That's a lot of nuts. Uh, the rebrand introduced face.
1: Oh, an
0: animated mascot that introduced shows and in interstitials and led the commercial breaks.
1: That's so weird. You said face, and I remember that there is a Nickelodeon face, but all I could see in my head was the face of Bo and also Cassandra. So that was weird. Was face orange?
0: He was many colors. It was like a multi, it was basically like, a cartoon smiley face, right? That would talk, and the background it, was always different colors,
1: right? I, I'm I don't like it. I don't like the image I have in my head. It's very Cassandra flesh colored face. Well, he, I mean,
0: he can I think like two steps away become grotesque in a certain <laughs> way.
1: Just start looking up
0: face. Now, oh, a, fan
1: art. Nope.
0: There's a, a boss battle in the Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening that's just a face on the floor, and uh. it's very creepy. Face kind of looks like that. Yikes! Yeah. So everyone, you know, everyone watched Nick Jr. as a kid. I feel like has nostalgia for Face, but yeah, he's a little creepy.
1: Also, that's you know, so such a creative naming process. How'd they get there?
0: He's a face.
1: <laughs> Kids don't need. It's not like we need to call it Trevor. It's just a face. You're just, just for babies. Man. It's a
0: preschool. That's program. Fair. That's fair. All right, and. Little Bear was one of the first programs to air as part of this newly reimagined Nick Jr. So yes. really, the history of Little Bear the show is basically the history of Nick Jr. as we know it. Uh. So yeah, like I I discovered Nick Jr. like when I I think the first show I watched on Nick Jr. was. Blue's Clues
1: yeah, I and I was like
0: hooked I was like oh my gosh I love Blue's Clues
1: Blue's Clues is the best thing ever and nothing right. will ever top it
0: so it's like you know I I, pro- I was like I hopped in you know close to the ground floor not completely but like I, I start watching Nick Jr. I'm obsessed with it and like there it's just like you know all of the Nick Jr. shows yeah Little Bear being the uh, the one I remember the most besides Blue's Clues I guess
1: so are you saying Blue's Clues is a gateway tr- cartoon
0: yes <laughs> Trying to think what other shows aired on Nick Jr. when I was a kid, Bob the Builder, but I feel like that one aired later. I feel later. like that's later, that was later, yeah. I can't I remember, know.
1: I don't know. Oh, I have no idea,
0: yeah. All I remember is Blue Schools and Little Bear,
1: yeah. I was definitely like, if if Nick Jr. came, Frank
0: Franklin, maybe
1: if Nick Jr. was this, yeah, I was already aged out, so
0: anyway, that is Little Bear. Um, let's talk about this show. Um, what
1: there's no way I aged out in 1995, he's six years, of years Nick old, Nick Jr. It, I guess. Was I a Nick age?
0: I, I would have been watching Nick Jr. when I was six years old, I guess. Yeah, like,
1: I shouldn't have yeah. aged out. I just, I guess I watched other shows.
0: <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right, so Little Bear the Show. Um, every episode of Little Bear is three segments, right? Three different episodes. You know, a, a different adventure that Little Bear will go on. You Which know, I like...
1: was not expecting. I thought it was going to be the traditional two.
0: No, they did it on purpose. They did three because seven-minute episodes, like, you know, Three seven-minute shorts would keep the attention of a preschooler more than two Fair. twelve, you know, ten-minute. That like, math checks out. Shorts or whatever, yeah. So, um, the first episode of Little Bear—it's the three shorts, all th- you know—the three titles mm-hmm. of the shorts. You got the first one is called "What Will Little Bear Wear?" Uh. <laughs> and what wear? What will Little Bear? Where? It's not
1: Prada Pumps, I'll tell you that much. And
0: it's not, it starts like this.
1: Come look. Mm-hmm.
2: It's snowing, see?
3: Mm-hmm. Lots of snow. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's go play in the snow. I have too much to do
3: this morning. You go ahead, little bear. Brr. Mother bear, I'm cold. Cold? But you haven't even gone outside
0: yet.
2: I want something to wear in the
3: snow. Ah. All right, then. Close your eyes, and I'll make you something to put on.
0: So that is the characters of Little Bear and Mama Bear.
3: Mother Bear.
0: Mother Bear. (laughs) Mama Bear is Bernstein Bears. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) That probably is why there's that distinction. I always was like, why does he say Mother Bear and Father Bear? Why does he say the whole thing? But, again, this book came out in the 1950s, so... Yeah,
0: yeah, so uh, on that note, the show... It's it's a mix, right? Some of the shorts will be based on the original stories by mm-hmm. Else Homeland Minerick.
1: There were only 5 books, so there's not much to go on.
0: And then other ones are completely original. That makes sense. So, the first one, what will Little Bear Wear, <laughs> is adapted from the first book.
1: Nice. That feels that feels right.
0: Most of the dialogue is straight up lift from the from the story that Just, feels right <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, that clip I played it was 30 seconds long it was half the book <laughs> I cut long pauses in silence out it's very slow because yeah. it's for babies
1: yeah it's like
0: mother bear I'm cold will you make me something to wear <laughs> like
1: yeah, no, that's basically it.
0: That's why it's like you you'll fall asleep watching this show.
1: That's very that's true. Th-
0: Just waiting for the other shoe to drop in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um and of course so yeah, a little bit it's snowing outside. Little Bear wants to go out and play in the snow, but it's far too cold for him. Uh so he asks Mother Bear to make him something to wear.
1: That is some real good mothering. What do you mean? Make you go go to your closet. I made you something last year. <laughs> But I mean she doesn't actually make him
0: anything new right now. Yeah, well that's yeah, true. She like just pulls out a yeah, she pulls she, out like, clothing she had already made.
1: Yeah, she just makes sewing machine sounds like don't open your eyes and then just gives them something that is already like lying around.
2: All done. You can look now.
4: A hat.
2: Now I won't be cold. Hooray! <laughs> Thank you, Mother Bear. <laughs> <laughs> <It> was,
0: Hooray! <laughs> I get heard a little bit of the piano in the background. It's like very, very soft. Like a lot of woodwinds, a lot of pianos. I got, yeah. I got, uh, the score was composed by Leslie Barber with excerpts of works by Chopin, Bach, and Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like very much... Uh, you pronounce that wrong. It's Chopin. Chop <laughs> Chopin. <laughs> Shout out to Mary-Kate Ashley. <laughs> uh, but um, so th- this segment is very repetitive. Yeah. How, how does it go?
1: Uh, he gets his hat. He goes outside and plays and is bored. Goes back inside to bother his very busy mother bear and says, I'm still cold. And she's like, okay.
3: Oh, is somebody here? Done playing so soon? Mother bear, I'm cold. Uh Aha. Well, then, I guess you must want something to put on. How did you know? Let's see. What shall I
2: make for my
3: little bear now?
2: Something good that goes with the hat.
3: Better close your eyes
2: first. There you go. Did you make it just for me?
0: (laughs) Just for you.
2: Hooray! A coat! Now I won't be cold! (laughs) Why? Did you
0: make it just for me? (laughs)
2: Why
1: in that quote in that end bit when he was like no I won't be cold just made me think so hard of the room of just bye doggy it's it,
0: it seems like they recorded these lines separately and yeah. just stitched them together right 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 it, it's like they're they're speaking to each other but also little bear is voiced by a little girl mhm i think i think it's just a little girl i don't think she's like an adult woman playing it but it's just like it's two people and it's clear they recorded in different rooms at different times and yeah. they just tried their best to marry them and yeah. so like it doesn't doesn't sound quite right
1: it doesn't yeah yeah it just doesn't sound like they're having a conversation it sounds like they're talking to themselves in a pre-recorded fashion
0: <laughs> and so yeah that that's the the cycle of the episode Is mm-hmm. little bear will get a new piece of clothing made for him then he'll go outside and play in the snow they don't get bored and come back in and, and bother his and say he's cold cuz like the, the point of the, I think the point of this story is that Little Bear isn't, he's not really cold. He doesn't really want clothes to wear. He just wants the attention of his mama yeah. bear.
1: I just want attention. That's, that's it. He and just that's, wants
0: it. Yeah. And Mama Bear is, she's a busy woman.
1: Yeah. She's got a household to maintain.
0: They they live out a cottage in the woods, and she like does a lot of sewing and cleaning and.
1: And things. it's snowing outside. I gotta make sure like we got stuff for when the sun goes down, and we are definitely gonna be even more cold.
3: Yeah. Brrr. I'm still cold. Do you want something?
2: Bur. I'll close my eyes now. Good idea.
3: Already. Snow pants. Now you can't be cold.
0: So now we got a fully clothed baby bear.
3: Yeah.
1: Little bear.
0: <laughs> Little bear.
1: <laughs> I will say, Mother Bear is quite patient with her only son. She's a very good mother in that she isn't saying, "ciao" if you don't leave me alone. Which is <laughs> a very specific How thing that i heard. <laughs> <laughs> How popular
0: <laughs> one. How popular <laughs> one. Vinny! Now, like... Do you think in that way it's it's like the show is also uh, it, it's meant to be watched by children and their parents together? It's like oh yes, this is how you rear a child in a respectful, calm, patient way.
1: I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I th- we oh yeah. I I think it's mostly just for like it's something calm to put on for babies that won't.
0: Annoy the parents
1: brains. so much if they have to watch it over and
0: over and over this again. This is, like, the least offensive children's show that I think you could watch. Yeah. Like, as a parent, like, in the room. Yeah. You know? Like, I, I don't know. Kid, people like that Bluey today, right? is so good. It's, it's, it's sort of like Bluey is not annoying to watch with your babies, I guess.
1: It's not. It's a, a great deal louder. <laughs> but,
0: but in the same way, I wouldn't be bothered if my little kid was watching this. Yeah. Whereas with Barney... And it's like you got children singing and crappy music, and that's fair dumb played morals. way too often. That's annoying. This, the show at least is not annoying. Yeah. It's just very simple.
1: It's very simple, but sometimes that's just what you need.
0: Yeah. So what's the twist of what will Little Bear wear?
1: Um. The twist is he's actually a nudist.
3: <laughs> Brr. I'm still cold. My little bear, you have a hat, you have a coat, you have snow pants. Do you want a fur coat, too?
2: Yes, I want a fur coat,
3: too. All right, little bear. Give me your hat. Give me your coat. Now
2: the snow pants. There. My own fur coat.
0: He's a bear with a fur coat. That's why he doesn't need all those snow clothes.
1: He's a bear, bear.
0: He's bearing at all. <laughs> <laughs> High five. Yeah. Like, I, I, this had to be from the story. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Little bear doesn't need all these snow clothes because he's a bear. He's got a fur yeah. coat. Yeah. I, I was like, what? I was just like, that's lame. This sucks. Send your
1: children out, bear. <laughs>
0: Ugh.
1: That's the moral. There's no
0: morals in this. It's There's no moral in this. I was like, what are we learning here? Nothing.
1: We don't need to learn something with
0: everything we watch. We need to be bored. Or, enter- I don't know, not not made bored? What, what What is this? I can't tell if I'm bored or not watching this show. I need to be stimulated. I am stimulated watching the show, but I'm also bored. <laughs> There's so much silence. There's so much.
1: But hey, you know, like. Maybe that's teaching you to appreciate the silence, appreciate the simplicity some, in life. Yeah, like that's not a bad deal to just kind of like go play by yourself for a little bit, and then come and give your mom company,
0: but take some pauses while you talk. Maybe start to teach kids like, hey, it's okay to miss your parents and miss, you know, need, need your mama.
1: Miss your parents when they're literally one room away.
0: <laughs> well, he misses his father bear.
1: That's fair. That's true. His
0: father bear. I, I looked it up. He is a fisherman by trade, so uh-huh. he's. He's he's always gone. He he's like there's there are episodes where he shows up and he yeah. is in the opening. So yeah. like yeah, it, but I assume like you know, like Captain Ahab or something like he has to go on <laughs> long voyages away from home for just, months and months and months at yes, a time.
1: Though I think the fishing in the wintertime wouldn't be too great. I mean I guess it depends on where you're fishing.
0: He he went up to do like like uh Arctic crab fishing yeah. or whatever. <laughs> dangerous catch style. <laughs>
1: Father Bear, he's uh,
0: he's doing a lot for our family. Yep. Uh, so, uh, little Bear expresses how he misses his father Bear. Mm-hmm. Why? What what does he do that triggers that like ex- you know emotion in him?
1: Well, he was uh all this time. Every time he would go inside, outside, he would be building a snowman. Snow Bear. Snow Bear.
2: A snow bear. I made him all by myself. It's perfect. I wish he had buttons for a snow coat, though.
3: Will these do?
2: Buttons!
1: And as they dress up the snow bear, they put on clothes that are bigger than little bear's clothes because they he, she, he, she, the bear built the snow bear so big. Wow, that was English, so good. And so they put father bear's clothes on it.
0: Yeah, like a father bear's hat. Yeah. Like Fisher hat. And, uh... Maybe a pipe. I think they put a pipe in there, and and then Little Bear is reminded, oh, yeah, I miss my my papa, or whatever.
2: (laughs) I miss Father Bear. I wish he could see my snowman. Snowman. I miss him, too. We'll tell him all about it when he gets back. Wait,
3: I know. Father Bear's hat and his scarf.
2: He was cold. He wanted something to put on. <laughs> now he looks just like Father Bear. And you know what else? What? I'm not. Cold. I'm not even cold.
0: Ho, ho, ho. that is how the first short ends.
2: Yep.
1: Did we take seven minutes to describe that?
0: Yeah, we took longer than the episode did. How could we do this? We're, we're <laughs> critics. So, but yeah, I mean, it was—it's like, a nice little story. It's fine. Yeah. It's it's not entire. it's not extremely exciting. No. It's very mundane.
1: It's not even a little exciting.
0: <laughs> but the second short of the episode is called Hide and Seek. This is brand new. Ah. Like, it's a brand new story made up for the show itself. Not It's not pulled from the books or anything like that. What happens in Hide and Seek?
1: Um, if something title, you weren't expecting. Yeah, it was like, if
0: the title wasn't a, a giveaway.
1: So, what happens is, Little Bear's Bored. And he meets up with his friends, and they propose to play a game.
0: Who are his friends? Before I play the clip,
1: yeah, I also wanted to know: were the friends in the books, or are the friends in New Creation?
0: I don't know. Cause I think no, 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 no. I, I think the I think the animal friends are in the books because I saw references to them. I think okay. The little girlfriend that he has later on is in the books.
1: Yeah, okay, I believe you. There's no little girl in
0: this episode. It's just him, a little bear hanging out with his animal friends.
1: Yes, and those animal friends are duck.
0: (laughs) Duck. Hen. Hen. Cat. Cat. And owl. Yes. Uh, (laughs) They all decide they're going to play hide and seek.
2: Hey, cat, where were you? Hiding? That's a good idea. Let's play hide and seek. Yeah, an excellent idea. I was about to
5: suggest it myself. Can I be the one who looks this time? Can I? Can I? I never get to look. Can I?
0: Can I? So the annoying voice who is insisting to be the seeker is... Duck. 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 She's like, I guess, the star of this short yeah because like you get In a she fumbling way she gets the most screen time is characterization. yeah you know? like I don't know nothing about hen other than that she she babes
1: <laughs> also cat sounds like a grown man.
0: cat's <laughs> a, a mischief maker likes to troll <laughs> hen
1: yeah likes to troll all of the bird creatures that he hangs out with that doesn't feel safe
0: and then uh owl is clever. <laughs> I don't mm. he takes a nap at some point. He's a stuffy young boy. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's like they all get like one scene each, except for Duck, who is the seeker. And, you know, we, we spend the most time with Duck because she's searching for her friends.
1: Yes, because she is it.
0: So she's it. And not only is she it, she is also an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this, Rude. this clip's called Duck's an Idiot.
5: Okay, eyes closed. Turn around. And what? Start counting. Oh, right. One, two, three, five, six. Oh my, didn't I already say six? But I don't remember saying four yet. I better go back to four. Four.
0: I think that's important. That's an important lesson to teach children is how to count good.
1: Yeah, that's true. And to like not start over, just go back to the place you messed up.
0: Yeah, you know, like I'm sure like... As a you know, little kid who's just learning their numbers, you know, learning to count, uh, to hear Duck miss four, hopefully the little kids would be like, she missed four. Yeah. Hey duck,
1: you missed four. Oh. Five, six. Wait, did I say six? You didn't, I, sweetie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this goes on for a while.
1: Did you ever play hide and seek and you had to spin around in circles while counting? No. That feels like... That feels like you would even need somebody to hide.
0: I think like maybe like at birthday parties we would do a like obviously you spin around for the piñata. Mm-hmm. But I think like you know the person who is it when you're just playing tag, not hide and seek but just like a you know a game mm-hmm. of tag where everyone's in the same yard together and there's no place yeah. to hide. The person who's it will spin around for ten seconds and then try to go after everybody. So there's like a handicap.
1: That makes more sense. That makes more sense than like we're playing hide and seek. I was I'm not gonna hide. You're gonna be too dizzy to catch to to catch me. Yeah. <laughs> but tag, yes.
0: So duck continues counting, badly. <laughs>
1: Seven, eight,
5: one. No, I don't think I mean one. Take that back. Nine. Yes, nine. And, um, ten! Um, now what? Start Start seeking! seeking. Oh, yeah! Uh, seeking! Ready or not, here I come!
1: It's a lovely little piano jig in the back. Good thing she didn't have to count to a (laughs) hundred.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They would have all been Mm -hmm. either bathing or sleeping or whatever. Because, like, that's the thing with this episode. Duck takes so long counting, that all of her friends have forgotten that they're hiding. and They're just like... Doing other things. Yeah. Um, and, and like... It, it, duck even takes forever to find her friends.
1: Yeah.
2: Little bear! I found you! No, Duck. I found you. What are you doing? I'm seeking, of course. Have you found anyone yet? Well, not yet.
5: Oh, but I found Frog! Rabbit. I found you, frog.
0: You cannot find what isn't lost, rabbit.
5: I guess frog's not in the mood to play. It's very hard to find your friends when they're hiding from you.
0: She's got a point, you know.
1: (laughs) I've never found friends. Have they only just been hiding from me? (laughs) There's not much to talk about in this show. There isn't. Like, it's uh,
0: literally like... Little Bear helps Duck find her friends, and they yep. f- find that they've forgotten that they're they're playing hide-and-seek, and they're doing other things. Yep. Like taking a bath and going to sleep.
1: Yep. And Cat is just waiting around
0: to pounce and scare people. Yep. And, th- and then they, they all find each other, and they're like, great, the game's over. That was fun. How does it wrap itself up? Little
1: Bear leaves. <laughs>
0: he just leaves. <laughs> That's it. Th- I have not cut this clip at all. This is what it sounds like.
2: next time i think maybe i want to hide too but right now i have to look for something else oh you do my lunch goodbye
0: <laughs> that's it yep he just walks off frame and you're left with just his three friends standing there in the middle of nowhere and like you're like just a little bit just straight up just turned around and walked away and, and then-, then
1: off screen goodbye. <laughs> We've been doing that all week, just so you know, we'll just be like, hey, I gotta take care of something, then walk out of the room, and then from the other room, go
0: goodbye. <laughs> yes. That was the funniest part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Forget Little Bear. <laughs> Leaving. I'm uh, done with you people. <laughs> I will say this: this short was more engaging than the Mama bear,
1: I'm cold. That's very true.
0: This one had more energy to it, and it was more fun to see all of his friends.
1: Yeah, even though half of them sound like grown people, and Frog, with an existential crisis from left field, I guess it wasn't a crisis.
0: You cannot find what isn't found.
1: What did he say? You cannot find what isn't lost.
0: It's true. Frog's the only sensible person out here.
1: Frog is a grown man, just like (laughs) Cat.
0: And that is the end of Hide and Seek.
1: Mm-hmm, little bear mm-hmm.
0: goes back home and hugs his mama.
1: Yep, and eats his lunch. I think they had caprici salad.
0: <laughs> they didn't. They didn't even show their lunch. They didn't. Uh, and the last short of the episode is called "Little Bear Goes to the Moon." That took a sh- sharp turn. <laughs> <laughs> reminded me of uh, back when I was a little kid. I was I used to play point and click adventure games uh, by Humongous Entertainment, and they had a they had a series of point-and-click adventure games starring Putt Putt, who was a car, oh. and Putt Putt went to the moon once.
1: <laughs> oh. this Did you help him me. get to the moon?
0: Well, no. I mean, sort of. He he drove. Putt Putt rode a uh, a firework to the moon. Oh. Yeah, and uh, you got to help him get home. But that- Little Bear sort of goes to the moon, but not not really. Well, what what what? How does this episode start? I cannot remember.
1: Was he reading? Like, what What got him into the, the moon idea? Did he have a dream? He, he had, had a dream. dream. He had an E.T. dream.
0: He had a dream where he basically, like, flies to the moon. E.T. style. Like, just... just On just, the back
1: of a bike. No, just... No, he just floats pl- up yeah. to the
0: moon. And it's like a very... I don't know. Like, that one was a very artistic, cool... Like, the, the animation of the show is not horrible. Yeah. It, it's actually quite nice. Yeah. It, it retains Maurice Sendak's artistic style. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't look like cheap. It, it's not cheaply made. Like this is a very
1: money went into this fine Canadian looking show. show. Yeah. And so
0: <laughs> this little like quiet, no dialogue, just music of little bear floating to the moon. I don't know. It was cool. It was, artistic.
1: Yeah, it was nice.
0: So he then wakes Soothing. up. He then wakes up and little bear says to himself like, Oh, where's the moon? <laughs> I'm going to go to the moon today. I'm going to fly to the moon. <laughs>
2: Look at me! I have a new space helmet. I see. I'm going to the moon. Oh, really? How? I'm going to fly there. Fly? You can't fly. Birds fly?
3: Yes, birds fly. But they don't fly to the moon. And you're not a bird.
0: If you had to guess, would you say this episode was adapted from the book or it was an original creation? Original. It was from the book, book. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, a lot of this dialogue of Little Bear saying, "I'm going to the moon. You're not going to the moon. How are you going to get there? I'm going to fly there. Well, you can't fly. Well, birds fly.
1: When did when did humanity go to the moon? Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Okay.
0: This happened before. Yeah. It was was a national dream to go to the moon. Yeah. Little Bear also wanted to go to the moon. (laughs) Uh, and, And I think like at least that part where it's like, "Hey, well, how come I can't fly? Birds fly. Well." Birds, you know, like that's a very childlike. They have different equipment. (laughs) It's like a very childlike idea. Yeah. I can understand little kids identifying with Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, Um, But then mom, uh, you know, gives them a harsh reality check.
2: Yeah. Maybe some birds fly to the moon, and maybe I can fly like a bird.
3: And maybe you're a little fat bear cub with no wings (laughs) and no
2: feathers. Maybe if you jump up, you'll come down very fast with a big plop. Maybe, but maybe not. I'm going now.
0: Goodbye.
2: Mother bear, do
1: not fat-shave me. I eat your food. If I'm fat, (laughs) you
0: made me thusly. Maybe you're a fat bear. (laughs) She she gives a little pat on his tummy. (laughs) Like, how rude. Oh, man. Keeping
1: it real, gravity is going to keep you down. What kind of birds do fly to the moon? It's probably a Pokemon. Articuno?
0: Zapidos. Is Porygon a bird?
1: Oregon-o. Oregon. Oh. Oregon. Oregano.
0: <laughs> I just thought a Pokemon.
1: It's an herb. Oregano.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Little Bird goes outside and he's he concocts a wild plan to go to the moon. What does he do?
1: Well, he concocts a plan by concussing himself. <laughs> <laughs> he sees a bird flit from a. A tree branch, and it's like oh that's all I gotta do climb that tree and then jump off and I shall fly to the moon
0: Yeah, he climbs up a very tall hill and mm-hmm. it's got like a dead tree on top of it and he climbs up onto the tree he gets onto the highest branch he goes oh no this is far too high <laughs> far too high so he goes down to the lowest branch and he just okay I'm just gonna hop off this branch and I'm gonna fly to the moon and he makes horrible decisions
2: I'll be going too fast to look at things so I'll just shut my eyes One, two...
1: That's the sound of him flying through space. (laughs) Three. He's just passed through the stratosphere. (laughs)
2: Everything's so strange. I must be on the moon. No, the moon looks a lot like the Earth.
0: No, what he actually did was he jumped off the tree, took a tumble down the hill, got really dizzy and fell on the ground. And he thinks that he's on the moon, even though he's just in the forest and he's very dizzy. Very dizzy. Like, oh, <laughs> things are so different on the moon. <laughs> we, we think he had, he's suffering a concussion. Yeah. Don't go to sleep, kid.
1: Stay awake on this moon. Uh, that's and literally, that's it. Yeah. He goes home. Yeah. He's just like, oh, birds on the moon. And this bird doesn't talk to him, so obviously um, it's the moon because animals hear talk. And he just wanders on home and eats the lunch in this moon home. And you don't think,
0: like, we want to hope that little bear knows that he's just at home and it's just, he's having, you know, he's doing something in his imagination. Mm -hmm. But, like, at the same time, he's like, is he just being dumb? Like, does he really think he's on the moon? Mm -hmm. And he wanders home and he starts eating food and you start, okay, he, he must know. That he's at home now. Right. And he's just playing pretend. Mm-hmm.
3: But who is this? Are you a bear from Earth?
2: Oh, yes, I am. And how did you get here? There was this big hill. I climbed it and jumped from a big tree and flew here, just like the birds.
3: Well, my little bear did the very same thing this morning. So, I guess you can have his lunch.
2: Stop fooling. You're my mother bear, and I'm your little bear, and we're on earth and you know it. Stop fooling. Stop fooling. It has that's the same
1: energy as um from It Takes Two. Don't make fun.
0: <laughs> like, that's it. That's little bear.
1: Yep. That's the I almost
0: grabbed that clip to be like the opening of the show, because it's just like, oh, you you said the name of the show. <laughs> and you established the main relationship. I'm your little bear, and you're my mother bear, and this is the television show we star in together. <laughs>
1: like, that's it. That's yep. That's the show, folks. That's that's that, all. That's in freak, one line.
0: That's freaking little bear, and we're done. We're done. That was the, shortest shortest episode ever.
1: I know. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little tired, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, little bear, would you recommend it?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's like one of those shows that, like, if you I don't know, kids, like, occasionally, like, I'm tired, but I can't go to sleep, so I'll put on Bob Ross. Uh, because his soothing voice and pleasantries are just, like, a good way to, like, go to sleep with positive vibes. Little Bear can also feel that. And it's got music.
0: It could. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. Cause... I mean, I wouldn't ma- recommend it as a show to watch. Yeah, I was like, it, little kids, maybe. Like, if our friends over across the way said, hey, our son wants to watch a show. What is he, like, four or five? You know, it's like, would it, and they asked me, do you think Little Bear would be a good show for him to watch? I'm like, sure, sure. Sure. And th- if they had asked me, is Barney a show you should watch? I say no. No, <laughs> absolutely not. If little they bear, ask you
1: if Thumbelina is a movie that you should watch.
0: Little Bear is totally fine. It's all on YouTube for free. Yeah. Uh you if so, you know, if you're the type of parent who needs uh, you know, iPhone babysitter, uh, you could just put on the you know, play all from the little bear playlist and mm-hmm. they're all gonna be there. And I guess, nice. and you won't be bothered that much. Yeah. So if I needed to recommend it to anybody, it would be to those type of parents, <laughs> I guess. Because it's not horrible.
1: You wouldn't rewatch it? No. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> just
0: deep shake it you, you want
1: You want YouTube to recommend more Never Little mind. Bear to you? <laughs> we'll watch it on your YouTube. Stop watching stuff on my YouTube account just because I don't have commercials.
0: YouTube still recommends Little Bear to you <sighs> to this day
1: yeah kids don't do that to your YouTube
0: all right so let's talk about how Little Bear was received okay I found a bunch of like old articles reviewing the the VHS tapes that were released uh, so that's where a lot of these qu- quotes come from where okay. it's like not necessarily critics reviewing the show as it aired but the VHS tapes that were compiled after the fact Little Bear reportedly was a rating success for Nickelodeon helping both Nick Jr. and the network as a whole take the lead in the target demographics so they went to Target. Like, 96 on is when Nickelodeon started to reign supreme among Mm -hmm. cable children's entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all of the shows that debuted around this time helped push that that to make it happen. Uh, We talked a lot about Nickelodeon so far on our TV episodes, like all that and Rugrats and Clarissa.
1: And there will be more to come, kids.
0: (laughs) Nickelodeon is set to take over the world here. (laughs) they're Uh, set for it Yeah, little bear received a warm reception as critics saw it as something that could be enjoyed by children and parents Mm -hmm. CNN said quote I don't think the animation in the series is Sendex best work but the show should delight most viewers ages 2 to 6 who don't mind a few life lessons scattered throughout the viewing by well meaning adults
1: Uh, could you please point out the life lessons in the the three
0: episodes we watched Uh, no
1: these are coming from VHS tips so the life lessons must have come later yeah
0: We set the tone. (laughs) The lessons come later. Critics noted the show's uniquely quiet and cozy tone. Uh, The Los Angeles Times said, quote, It's mood is so gentle and its iconography so unabashedly pastoral, it it makes a lot of the other animated fare aimed at kids look like Quentin Tarantino movies by comparison. That's that's a quote. (laughs) And yet it is because of its emphasis on the cozier, more comforting aspects of existence that Little Bear has become such a hit with kids.
1: That's definitely an opinion.
0: <laughs> Little Bear is so cozy that it makes uh it makes Bob the Builder look like Quentin Tarantino.
1: Fair though. I I would say if I was gonna name one a Quentin Tarantino, like Dora the Explorer feels very Quentin Tarantino.
0: <laughs> swiper now swiping, okay?
1: <laughs> it's my, it's
0: my, it's my That's Tarantino. your
1: Tarantino. Ad. God nas. No. It's
0: my Jimmy. Don't Jimmy me, Jules. <laughs> Little Bear was nominated for Outstanding Children's Animated Program at the 2000 Daytime Emmy Awards, but it lost to... Want to take a guess?
1: If you say Barney or Pee-wee's Playhouse, I'm going to punch you straight in the face. No, no, no. Good. No punching.
0: It was beat by Pinky, Elmira, and the Brain.
1: Oh, you love that show. Not good. You love Elmira.
0: It's the show that the the creators of the show didn't even want to make. (laughs) Anyway, and Kristen Farley, the voice of Little Bear, was nominated for Best Performance... In a voiceover twice at the Young Artist Awards.
1: Nominated, but no wins. No wins. Mm, Domination, though.
0: And let's talk about where Little Bear went from here. It's legacy. Little Bear ran... Went to the moon? (laughs) After Little Bear went to the moon, he ran for five seasons of 65 (laughs) episodes, (laughs) ending its run in
1: 2003. Oh, wow. That's a a nice run. It wasn't even syndicated.
0: Yeah, and it's like... You know, obviously, like, it ran for eight years. Yeah. And 65 episodes in eight years. That means they took their time. Yeah. And they only, you know, built a little bit. And obviously, preschool kids don't care if you rerun the same five episodes every week. So.
1: It's very true. They
0: didn't care. Uh, 1999 saw the release of two edutainment video games based on Little Bear. You got Rainy Day Activities and Preschool Thinking Adventures. Uh, I I looked them up on YouTube. They look horrible. Horrible. Preschool Thinking? Preschool day
1: thinking? Preschool? That's a terrible name. Like what? That doesn't even give me an idea as to what it's supposed to be. It's like Little
0: Bear. Like it was like, f- what? The clip I saw was like Little Bear standing in front of a creek, and it's like, can you find Dawson? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't want to wait for
1: Little Bear to go to the moon.
0: <laughs> no, it's like, can you find the beehive? And then you just have to point at the beehive. Ah. Yeah, it looks like it was made on the cheap. Yeah. Another title intended for younger audience, Toddler Discovery Adventures, was released in 2000. So there were three Little Bear video games. They're all horrible.
1: Can we get them on the Switch? No. Can we port them to the Switch? (laughs) Probably
0: not. (laughs) Nintendo wouldn't allow it. Uh, In 2001, the show was adapted into a direct-to-video film titled The Little Bear Movie. Uh, The featured song Great Big World was nominated for Best Original Song at the 2001 Video Premiere Awards. An award ceremony I didn't know existed until today.
1: Video premiere awards, it's like the aw-
0: the awards for video releases for straight to video things. I guess.
1: Mm. Why do you
0: need that? Who who was that? Who asked for that?
1: Yeah, who asked for that?
0: I mean, there was an industry. It's like who who asked for that? The people who made videotapes did. Well, guess what, guys? If you want to <laughs> win awards, go make real movies. Rude! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, In Canada, Little Bear was adapted into a live theatrical show titled Little Bear Winter Tales, which toured in 2007 and again in 2009.
1: Um, Is it on YouTube?
0: I did not look, but we can see. Follow us on Twitter if you'd like to uh, (laughs) see if we can find it. And in 2010, Else Holmland Minerick released her final book before her death, Little Bear and the Marco Polo. Like the app? (laughs) The sixth and final book of the Little Bear series. Mm. Um, it was illustrated by Dorothy Doubleday, not Maurice Sendak.
1: Probably because the falling out, because he had made it become. You're, we're editorializing.
0: Bear. We don't know for sure, uh, but yeah, apparently, like Else Minerick and Maurice Sendak both died within a year of each other. Oh wow! Yeah, so their their careers will forever be intertwined, their yeah. lives together. But that is Little Bear. Oh, uh-huh. we're done with that.
1: That was so nice. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna go have um, drinkable grapes now.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna close out this segment. This was something we discovered when we started watching on YouTube. Like the theme song that I played earlier in the show was the theme song I remembered from mm-hmm. as a little kid. There were two theme songs for the show, one for the U.S. and one for Canada.
5: Oh. So
0: the Canadian theme song uh, is an adapt is adapted from Austrian composer Franz Schubert's Violin Sonata Number One in D Major. Oh, okay. And it was arranged for Wind and Strings by composer, composer Arnold Black. All right. Whereas the American theme song was, it's iffy. I couldn't find exactly. I think it's composed by a guy named Roland Lee, but it could also be composed by Arnold Black. But it's just a different theme song. Anyway, we're going to go out with the Canadian version,
1: Aye. which is
0: uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll see you on the other side with Justice show of 19... 19- Ninety five. Let's go. Goodbye.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: please don't go. No, please don't go away. Be because we'll be right back. I'm Nick Jr. Ba, ba, ba. Wanna play?
3: Nick Jr.'s got an all new season of Little Bear Adventures. Let the games begin. Play tag with gingerbread men. Perfect. Let's go. Swim with a mermaid. I'm good at that. Or juggle some balls with a friendly owl. Interesting. So come along and play with Maurice Sendak's Little Bear. A new episode starts today at 12 noon, 11 central on Nick Jr. TV made just for preschoolers.
0: say about freaking cozy episode we got we got so th- th- there's never been more classical music on media made than there is today
1: <laughs> i would like to say just in case you guys are confused that is not little bear music
0: <laughs> no it's a different theme song it's a
1: completely different thing
0: uh but the same vein yeah <laughs> same old old world old sensibility uh, yeah it's <laughs> pre-industrial
1: and we told you to get some some tea in a cup and yeah. some sit by a, a fire, don't set anything on fire.
0: All right, that is the theme song from Justice Show of 1995. Debuting September 24th, 1995 on BBC One, starring Jennifer Ely and Colin Firth, directed by Simon Langton and adapted by Andrew Davies from the novel of the same name by Jane Austen. We have...
1: Pride and Prejudice.
0: Pride and Prejudice. The, the One with Colin Firth. <laughs> <laughs> the One. Guys, you know which one. The One. So this is this was almost not your show of '95. Yeah. We 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 did we took notes. Um, I got all the clips from a different show of 1995, and then we looked at for runners up. Uh, foolishly, we did it after we did all, all the, the prep. research and yeah. prep and stuff. Um, and we must have missed it because when I went back through the British shows, I'm just looking at, and, and I wasn't even going to read them all either. I was just looking at the ones I recognized. Right. And I'm going through the list and you know, in my head I'm thinking, and then I see Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, I, I say out loud, Pride and Prejudice. And I was like, is that the one with Colin Firth? And I click on it, it's like, it is. <laughs> and I knew you've watched that adaption here in the apartment, like just on your own while I've been here. And I'm just like, oh hey, Colin Firth.
1: <laughs> I, I have the entire series on DVD. Actually, I think a friend of mine is currently currently has them. Uh, but it's on Hulu.
0: <laughs> so yeah, like, so we we legitimately missed it on our first go around. Yeah. And we had to f- scramble like, okay, it's definitely Pride and Prejudice. It's definitely Pride How and Prejudice. How many times have you watched Pride and Prejudice?
1: Uh, probably six, which is a lot. That's a lot for me.
0: It is. That's a lot. I do not rewatch when did When did you first watch it?
1: When did that Keira Knightley one come out?
0: I think it's 2005.
1: Yeah, then probably 2009 or 10.
0: What brought you to watch it? Did you buy the DVD set before you watched it?
1: I might have. So here's the thing about me, kids, Uh, especially when I was younger and I had money to burn because, uh, you know, who as a kid in college really understands that uh, debt is (laughs) a real thing and you shouldn't use your uh, school loans frivolously. Don't, kids, don't do that. Don't do that. Kids, don't do it. Don't do it. Your future
0: husband will have to. Even if it's,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will throw an unripe wine grape at you. Um, All that to be said, I would occasionally just like that looks interesting at Target and just buy it, like, and then play it. Like thinking back now, I'm like, you don't watch stuff over. Like I have the Green Hornet on DVD. I have the. The whole first season of Merlin, the whole first and maybe second season, season of um, Sherlock from BBC. I've got like s- just stuff on DVD. Like, were you that's... into
0: British stuff at this time? Like you just saw you see a British adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. And, you and
1: say, I picked it up. I was. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, that's fine. I was like, oh, it's six up. Yeah. You, blah, were, blah, a
0: who- you were a Hoovian.
1: I was a Hubian at the time. I still am. Uh, no. (laughs) I don't like to, like, name myself as a fan of stuff because I'm never really that into anything. I'll be like, I really enjoy this, but not to the point of, like, this is my entire personality. Plus
0: is Thumbelina.
1: Thumbelina! (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, headphone users. Not you, husband. (laughs) But I think, like, yeah, I just picked it. And I think someone said, yeah, I was... You know what? I think when everything is said and done, I really enjoy adaptions. Like, it almost doesn't matter what it is. You do. I like adaptions, right? Like, so all those things that I named, they are British, but they're all adaptions of something.
0: Classical, like uh, adaptions of classics.
1: Yeah, I like And if you ask me how like I don't love Pride and Prejudice as a story, but I can say that I've like watched eight or nine Adaptions. I've seen wow. *Pride and Prejudice and Zombies*. I've seen *Austin Land*. I've seen um, a very specific short film or, or short series. Web series? No, not the web series. But mm. I have seen that. Like, I do enjoy that. There was a different series that like was really good, and I enjoyed it a lot. I showed it to April, and she was like, "What is this? We're literally like somebody loved Jane Austen and um, loved *Pride and Prejudice*, and then one day like." Lizzie Bennett was in her bathroom because there was like a doorway between her bathroom and a bathroom in the books world. Oh and gosh. she like crosses over. She's like, Oh, I love this. And Lizzie like locks her in there because she's like, I don't want to be in this world where I am defined by whom I married. So she just stays in like the 21st century nice. while her friend goes or not why her friend, while the main character goes and basically messes up the entirety of the book. And there's like lots, it's really interesting. So yeah. I like adaptions. I just like to see reinventing of stuff. And this isn't necessarily reinventing this specific one, but I didn't know that when I picked it up.
0: Did you read? Have you, have you read the novel? <laughs> All the way through? No. Have you tried? I tried. Before or after watching this series? Before. Okay. <laughs> Long
1: little bear pauses between yeah, so
0: answering. I, I majored in English in college. I never read Pride and Prejudice. I didn't read any Jane Austen. Mm. Um. I read some Bronte sisters. Bronte, yeah, the Charlotte Bronte. And...
1: Is it Bronte? I thought it was Bronte.
0: Br- I don't know. I said Bronte. I guess I don't know. No, it it a name's a name. But yeah, like Wuthering Heights. Like I read in college, mm-hmm. and, and I, I read the first few chapters of Pride and Prejudice and zombies in high school. <laughs> but I think like a few chapters in, I realized like you can't get the full effect of this novel without after you know without reading the original first mm-hmm. because that's where half the humor comes from. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I remember that was like my first real,
1: uh, uh, In into,
0: yeah. My, my first real, um, my first real introduction to pride and prejudice. Yeah. Uh, that was really it. Uh, for, I, I don't know how, like if you, you're the reason I know what this show is, but for some reason, maybe it's because of you. But when I think of Mr. Darcy from pride and prejudice, mm-hmm. I just think, I, I just think of Colin Firth, you know, <laughs> I can't not think of him. He is Mr. Darcy. <laughs>
1: Right. Okay. Yeah, but he like built a small career of that. Like he was in Bridget Jones' Diary as Darcy. It,
0: it, the man, the man was born to play Darcy. Mm. It worked. Uh, but that's yeah, that's my that's our histories with the Pride Presidents. I guess yeah. you want to talk about how the show was made.
1: Yes, I would like you to talk about it, as I know nothing. All right, I'm just
0: here to be good looks. 1813, English novelist Jane Austen as what? anonymous.
1: I don't want to. It's that's too much <laughs> history. Skip skip forward at least 100 years. Cut uh, all that history out.
0: Now she published her second novel titled Pride and Prejudice. I think Sense and Sensibilities came first.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. And Sensibility. Yeah. She she,
0: <laughs> she published both under the name Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, like, I think after her death, it became known. It's like, no, no, she wrote all these books.
1: Yeah, because women couldn't um, be like penned. They, they, it yeah, just it just didn't happen. Yeah.
0: Pride and Prejudice was well-received and enjoyed strong popularity at the time of its publication. And over the next 200 years, <laughs> the novel has become a well-regarded classic amongst English literature. You should read it. I I, I kind of want to now. Oh, yeah. nice. By 1995, Pride and Prejudice had been adapted at least 13 times for film, theater, and television. That makes sense. With the most notable adaptations being the 1940 Academy Award-winning film starring Greer Garson and Laurence Olivier...
1: Why is his name sound familiar?
0: Uh, Lawrence Olivier is like the actor of actors. Okay, like classic Hollywood. Like he's the he's named like the one of the best actors of all time. Okay, um, and the 1980 BBC produced TV miniseries starring Elizabeth Garvey and David Rint- Rintoul. Rintoul? <laughs> Rintoul. You're just having a hard time yeah, with the, names. All these weird names. <laughs> uh, so the idea of this 1995 adaptation was conceived in 1986. Okay. After seeing a preview for the 1987 television adaptation of Austin's Northanger Abbey, mm-hmm. television producer Sue Birtwistle and writer Andrew Davies agreed to adapt Pride and Prejudice again.
1: Nice. Okay.
0: Uh, Birtwistle felt that previous television adaptations of the novel had been, quote, undernourished and unpoetic and so sought to shoot this new adaptation on film rather than on video.
1: That was like the first thing you noticed about this. That was so. like,
0: we start watching it, and I was like, oh, it's it's widescreen. Like, oh, like, this was shot on film. It's gorgeous. <laughs> and I was like, that's very forward-thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, one, it's a creative choice. Right, right, right. So when you watched it on your television set in 1995, the, you know, it was letterboxed, mm-hmm. you know, on your square screen. Right. Um, but also, like, I think... They must have went in knowing that these this show would at least be screened in theaters, mm. shown on the big screen and full widescreen, yeah. and it would have been beautiful. So I was like, cool. I thought that was a great creative choice. <laughs>
1: they were like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it right, and this will be played for millennia to come. They
0: didn't know that you know the standard aspect ratio of a television set was going to be widescreen sure. in 15 years. And so the show looks... As new as it did in 95 because they decided to shoot on film in widescreen.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's
0: gorgeous. Um, although the pair wished to remain true to the tone and spirit of the novel, they wanted to produce a, quote, fresh, lively story about real people, not an old studio-bound BBC drama that was shown in the Sunday tea time slot. <laughs> so they they wanted it to be like, no, we want it to feel real. We want to bring these characters and the setting to life.
1: yeah. Which I think they definitely accomplished, because I think that's something that you were saying when we were watching it. It was just like, this is how people talk.
0: Yeah, it seemed very naturalistic as far Mm -hmm. as the writing and the, like, performances go. Um, They therefore emphasized sex and money as themes for the story and shifted the narrative toward Elizabeth and Darcy together. I, I don't know, does the novel focus on one or the other more than, like...
1: When I said I hadn't finished the book, what I meant is I only read the first two paragraphs.
0: Okay, well, before giving up. So I don't know either. I assume that it's more about Lizzie's uh, like perspective than that.
1: For... I I don't know. Like that's a good is- assumption. I think that's a really interesting thing. Even hearing you say that, like, because it makes me think. Then what is the book? Like, what is the book? Because every adaption I've ever seen, the focus has been Lizzie yeah, and yeah. Darcy. Um, but maybe that's because this show is so prominent that. Most things are not built off of the book itself. It's built off of this miniseries.
0: Maybe. The first three scripts of a proposed six-episode series were completed in 1986, but the production saw no movement for the next several years due to the recency of the 1980 adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. That makes sense. They needed to put some distance between them. Yeah. And also they needed to make some money, (laughs) you know, get some funding. Um, In 1993, Michael Waring of the BBC finally commissioned the remaining scripts with co-funding from the A&E Network in the U.S. Oh. So this is a U.S. and U.K. co-production.
1: I was not expecting that.
0: Filming of the series took place between June and November 94 to reflect the changing in seasons of the plot, followed by post-production until mid-May 1995. And that is how Pride and Prejudice was made.
1: That's that's a pretty interesting history, in my opinion.
0: This is our, f- I, I, I'm pretty sure this is our first TV show where the episodes are not 30 minutes. They are a full hour, like, you know, the, the episode is a full hour with commercials. So 40 minute episode. Mm-hmm. So this is our first long form television show. Is it? Yeah, I think so.
1: How long was Red Dwarf?
0: Red Dwarf was a f- standard 30 minutes. Huh. Yeah. So that's so,
1: so yeah, that is that is very interesting because I feel like when I think of myself, like I usually watch hour-long media. Yeah,
0: so Pride and Prejudice is six hour-long episodes. Yeah. Uh, 40 minutes each. But uh, yeah, for episode one, all the episodes, they don't have fun names. It's just episode one. Mm-hmm. So we watched episode one of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. So let's jump into it.
1: My dear, Mr. Bennett, wonderful news. Netherfield Park is let at last, is it? Is it
0: so that is who speaking
1: Mrs. Bennett of course
0: Mrs. Bennett uh, the matriarch of the Bennett family <laughs> who the, ma- the main characters all come from like you know the, the the female lead of the show is a daughter of the Bennett family yes Elizabeth
1: Elizabeth
0: um and called Lizzie how many ben-
1: actually I think her name is Eliza it's not Elizabeth El- Eliza Bennett
0: I can I can confirm this I have to cast Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bennett
1: oh it's Elizabeth okay
0: yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Bennett so we, we meet all the Bennett sisters. How many, is, how many are there? Five. There's five sisters. <laughs> do, you There's not remember Julie... the,
1: do you not remember the song I played from
0: the musical? There... Five daughters. I have five daughters. <laughs> There's two important ones and three not so important ones. Excuse me. <laughs> there are three important ones. <laughs> Justice for Mary. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, let's meet him first. We'll talk about him.
4: Mr Bingley has expressed a wish to become acquainted with you and your daughters.
5: Sir, that is very good of you. <laughs> this is Jane, my eldest. And Elizabeth,
3: and Mary sits over there.
5: And Kitty and Lydia, my youngest you see there dancing.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth, Jane, Mary, Kitty, and Lydia. Correct. I got them all. Good job. Can we rank them? <laughs> you may go ahead. By and Most attract. significant to the plot.
1: Okay, go ahead.
0: Uh, Elizabeth is most important. Uh huh. Because she's the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane comes second because Correct. she's mostly focused and important to the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third is Mary because she's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so Ma- Mary, like, in realistically, Mary's not an important part of the book. Really, mm-hmm. didn't you tell me most adaptations cut her out?
1: Most adaptations do her dirty. They just do her incredibly wrong. Yes,
0: that's why we love Mary because she's she's in the show, but she's like, yeah. just kicked down by life. Yeah. and the people around her.
1: Yeah, in the 2005 reenactment, I can't think of the word. There is no, there is no Mary. In the web series, they make Mary a cousin,
0: <laughs> and then Kitty and Lydia are the. Least inter- inter-
1: they're okay. Well, see, because you have only watched the first episode and yeah. you don't know don't anything know. about it, about. Does one of them die? At all, so technically, if you want an actual rating or like ranking, it's Lizzie, Jane, Lydia, Kitty, and then Mary. Okay. Lydia is a very important pers- part of
0: the book. <laughs> <I> just, to <laughs> the explain story. why I don't know, wh- to explain why I I have trouble like caring about Lydia and and kitties because like the very first thing you hear from these women is like <laughs> 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 it's like they're like snotty children. They are. What
5: would you have done to it, Mama? Mama? Lydia has torn on my bonnet and
4: made it new and says she will wear it to church. Tell
5: for it's all my own work, and she would be afraid in it because she's too plain to look well in it. Oh, no, you should not have it, but it I'm telling You so. mean girls, would you tell I nerds and tiny friends? Oh, let her have it, Kitty, and be done.
1: But it's mine. You let her have everything that is mine. Oh. So <laughs> That's
0: how I feel. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're just, okay, like in their defense, no defense, I'm pretty sure Lydia is 14, maybe 15 and Kitty is just 1 year older than her. They, they are literal
0: children. They they act that way. <laughs> and look like, I was that clip in particular comes right after a quick like establishing scene where uh Colin Firth's Mr. Darcy and Mr. Bingley yes his friend are riding through the countryside on their horses and they have a quick like the the point of the scene is Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy are two rich fellas Mm -hmm. coming in from the city. Yeah. And they moved into their summer home in the country, right? Correct. That's that's what, like, propels the plot forward, right?
1: Yes, but somehow you stating it like that makes them sound like they've run away from London for their gay lover.
0: (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, and and so the scene is just like, oh, isn't my house beautiful in this Mm -hmm. country? And then Darcy's like, I don't like the country very much, right? That's what that scene's there to do. Mm -hmm. But, like... We sit down to watch it, and they're speaking so quickly. And so and I was just, like, I don't know what they just said. We had to put the subtitles on. Because I was like, what did he say? Your
1: ears could not catch it. I was like, they're speaking English. They,
0: they were, but I was just like, man, what did he He's like, he rolls up on his horse. He's like, oh, I'm determined. Like, I'm I'm I
1: was like,
0: what? And then you get these screeching women. Like, no,
1: Mama. Like, I I just don't have that problem I can hear and understand them quite plainly well,
0: no well, like you, you train your ears you get it like yeah for, like, <laughs> but, but a, after <laughs> little bear you're like what is this after this scene it was it was <laughs> fine totally fine because <laughs> all of the uh, pretty much all of the spoken dialogue is ripped straight from the book right like, yeah all of the novel's original dialogue is intact in here mm-hmm. which is good. And I think that it's a testament to how strong the writing of the novel was. Because, like, the dialogue is so, like, quick and witty. And the characters say it with such conviction. You're just, like, there were so many lines where I was just laughing. Mm -hmm. Because it was, like, funny. Yeah. Yeah. And and witty.
1: Yeah. I think, like, uh, sorry, just taking a step back to talk about the book. Like, I don't know a lot about, obviously. Um, But that was one of the things where people would talk about... um, Books that Jane Austen had put out as anonymous, and even I think some of the Bronte sisters and stuff—they're like, "Oh man, this gentleman really knows how to." R- the man who wrote this, the author who wrote this, really knows what a man is and how they react and stuff. And like
0: yeah. saying that
1: the characters are so masculine and getting it right, and how women are da 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 da. But like, this is just the solid writing of somebody who is a study of people, you know? Yes.
0: Uh, so we meet, like obviously, we meet the five. Bennett sisters. Yes. we already we, you you heard them. Yes. Kitty and Lydia.
1: Yeah, Kitty and Lydia. It's it's hard to find like clips of them separate because they are in especially in this first episode they are one in the same. They are a package deal.
0: <laughs> and, and they they are annoying. They are. They bicker constantly. Yes. They're either bickering or giggling.
1: Yep, much like sisters who are close in age.
0: <laughs> but one character who is not giggling is Mary. So I'll Mary is he the youngest?
1: No. She's the middle. She's, She's the, middle middle the middle child.
0: But she middle child. But she looks sickly <laughs> she, and depressed. They
1: do her so wrong. Oh, if only we'd been able to have sons.
3: Misfortunes, we are told, are sent to test our fortitude and may often reveal themselves as blessings in disguise.
0: That, was that Mary? Yeah, it was that? Mary. Okay. That doesn't sound like the Mary I knew. The Mary I knew is just like, ugh. <laughs> uh, like just sighing uh, and just rolling her eyes and just looking deadpan all the time. Cause she's just, just insulted constantly. Yeah.
1: I, she, she only has like happy things to say when other people are like sad unhappy. and unhappy, which, you know, like her mother was just, says like, if only we had son, she went on a whole day. about like why they, sh- they, because basically, right. Like they aren't, they're a noble family, but, they're, not, they're well off, but they're not rich. Um, they're like but, middle class, yeah. Yeah, but they only have daughters. So when Mr. Bennett dies, none of them can inherit. So all the land is going to go. So she's like, oh, if only we had had sons, I wouldn't have to worry about marrying you girls off. She would anyway. She's that kind of person. And Mary's like, well, hardships are from God, and we should roll with them. Um, and that's the best part. that Oh, I gosh, can- Mary. <laughs> right? basically they like shut her down very quick after that but like it's a very like one of those moments where it's just kind of like mary is a good kid and this is also the only moment that you can really get her in um the show without a bunch of background noise like the show tries to drown her out at every point this is the only point that you hear her clear like
0: I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the, the 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 great clip that we have. Right now? Yeah, I'm gonna play it. So go this, ahead. This, this is, is how we treat Mary. This is late in the episode where they're having like a it's like a like a little party
1: at their house.
0: Yeah, like a little dance at the house and Mary is playing the piano. Mm-hmm.
1: Make give a ball, Mrs. Foster. We'll dance with all the officers. And if Mary would only
5: play something, we could dance with them now. Mary! Mary, let's have no more of that dull stuff. Play something jolly. We want to dance. But there are still two movements. Mama Tell them it isn't fair. Oh, play a jig, Mary. No one wants your concertos
1: here. And that's how we treat Mary in this house.
0: Yes. No, justice for Mary. We just want to talk about Mary because she's just kicked down so much.
1: She's kicked down so much. She's the baby face. This, and also, like, you haven't really seen, this is the most you're going to really see of Mary through well, the six area. Uh, anyway. You're still going to see her, but every time you see her, she's you're going to be like, why are they so mean to Mary?
0: So we just need to get a little bit justice for Mary. But let's talk about the two real important sisters. Okay. Jane and Lizzie.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: so you capture two clips of them talking about marriage. Because, again, the whole, like, part of the, sh- the, the, the like, the plot is, like, these two women, I guess, try, like, navigating the complex social like expectations put on them, which is, Hey, you got to get married and save your family.
1: Yeah. That's, that's basically it. Yeah. Right. I think the whole show, right? Like if we are focusing on women in this time, it's not them building a business. It's not them going off on adventures in the new world. It is, Oh man, I got to get me a man to take care of. Yeah.
0: Me. And, and Jane Austen understood that like an L, like that to like, that's part of the woman's identity yeah. at that time. And she's like poking fun of it. Like, that's the thing I appreciate about the, the it was obvious to me watching it but I think the pop culture um I don't know like the pop culture like consensus about pride and prejudice gives people the wrong impression about the book they think it's like this sappy romance novel mm-hmm. it's a satire mm-hmm. it's making fun of these people yeah these type of people like the the mom is a butt of every joke you know like Lizzie and Jane are like level-headed people mm-hmm. who are also making fun of the society they live in. Um, so you got clips of them talking about marriage. Yeah. Which character do you now want to talk Edge.
1: about first? Um, let's do
0: Lizzie. Lizzie first. Main character.
1: If I could love a man who would love me enough to take me for a mere 50
5: pounds a year I should be very well pleased. Yes.
1: Such a man could hardly be sensible, and you know I could never love a man who was out of his wits. That's it. (laughs) I think, like, what you're saying is so true, right? Like, about how this is a satire on, like, the ridiculousness of, like, what it meant to be a woman and what marriage was as not a a thing to do when you were in love with someone— but very much as a, a a means of survival for a woman especially. Yeah. But I like how it's also, I say it as a person who's never read the book, um, depicted in in so many different ways, right? With how you different see it, but because we follow Lizzie and in a, in a kind Jane, we see that there is an elegance to it if you take it seriously, but also don't take yeah, it seriously. Yeah, there's a self-awareness. Like yeah. I, th- I
0: think like Liz- in that clip, you realize that Lizzie sees how ridiculous this whole situation is. Mm-hmm. And like she's just like, yeah, if I could break out of this like norm, like I'd love that, you know? yeah, know, because like she I, she wants to be free and independent, and like it's funny to think about like, yeah, I know Mom and Dad expect us to get married uh, to this rich man, you know, who will like spend, you know, the dowry will be so so much money, right? And, you know, like, we'd be well off, but, like, you know, I'd be fine if we got some poor Joe Schmo who
1: will marry me. Yeah, and I also, like, really appreciate that even in that that she is being serious, but she's also, like, but that could never happen. Like, she, I think she's being legitimately, like... She's realistic. Yeah, she's being realistic, but also... Okay, being realistic in what she wants. She's just like, if somebody would marry me for... Almost nothing, meaning they are only, they're going to marry me for me because they want to be with me. I would be so happy. But that would be a stupid thing to do. So I couldn't marry because, like, even though that is probably, like, her high school, like, I've got a lot going on. If somebody could just like me, that'd be great. But that's unrealistic. I could not do that because and that, I that, love that my family. That guy would be insane.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, like, it also emphasizes how much marriage was a business contract Yeah, for forever. Yeah. To, like, ancient times. Like, <laughs> marriage was a legit. Business. People were saying, marriage is sacred. I mean... It's a business transaction. It's a
1: business transaction. <laughs> and it has
0: been for a millennium. Yep. You know, like, I want... So, th- this book came out in 1813, right? Mm-hmm. I watched a book... or Sorry. I watched a movie that was set in like 1914. Mm-hmm. Um, and the main character of that book needed money to go to medical school. So he went to another family in in his village and talked to like another family and said, "I will agree to marry your daughter if you pay me yeah. the money I need to go to medical school." Yep. And I was like, "Cool, the marriage is legitimately just a business transaction." Yep.
1: I gained me uh, a wife so that I can do what I want. Yeah, I mean, like, our marriage, I love you, and I married you for love, but also because of your good credit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Either way. I have to stop telling people that. Either way, yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole idea of marriage is being, like, poked fun of and yeah. deconstructed through the novel and the show, and yeah. it's done very well.
1: Yeah, because I think that especially... I'm so sorry, I know you want to play I think especially because um, people of the time would probably say, like, oh, women romance marriage a lot like they're such romantics they think it's this this and this like no they know what's up
0: yeah alright let's talk about what Jane thinks of marriage okay Jane is the more
1: she's the eldest sister and she's the more hopeful optimistic
0: she's not as sarcastic as Lizzie is
1: no she's the more optimistic yeah I guess
0: so yeah
3: a marriage where either partner cannot love or respect the other that cannot be agreeable to either party
1: as we have daily proof, because their parents' marriage is
0: horrible, and I, th- I think she's she has this more uh, idealized version of marriage, mm-hmm. you know, marriage for love. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, she has like this very fairy tale version of lo- lo- uh, marriage, what yeah. it should be.
1: You know, uh, no, I don't disagree with that, but I wonder though that like. It- I don't know that even in this specific, she does say it later, that she's even talking about love. She's, she's saying, like, if we're going to go into a business par- partnership, we need to at least respect each other. Yeah. You know, like having that realisticness about it, but just being like, I want to be happy. I don't want to be miserable in my life, even if I don't love the person I'm with.
0: I agree. And uh, so you were telling me that in the book... Lizzie and Jane Jane is always is supposed to be the prettier one right
1: yes Jane is the most beautiful one you can even you even see it here like in the dialogue that's lifted from the book <laughs> in the whole thing it's like ah oh, she's uncommonly pretty she's gorgeous she's an angel she's the most beautiful woman I've all ever seen Lizzie's cute too <laughs> yeah I'm
0: mean, like you I, I, I guess like subjectively like it's, I think they're both beautiful women yeah you know it's like absolutely. They're, they're both Movie star level beautiful mm-hmm. women, right? Both, both, uh, Susanna Harker who plays Jane and Jennifer ale, who plays Elizabeth, mm-hmm. right? I guess Jane has more of like a
1: classic.
0: Yeah, she she has like a porcelain face. She has like very elvish
1: features. Yeah, like I I say I say this every time I watch it. Like she has Mona Lisa's face. The actress who plays Jane just looks like the Mona Lisa. Like she, there's specifically, even the clips that we just played, she like turns and looks over her shoulder, does a small little smirk. And if her hair was not blonde, she would just be the freaking Mona Lisa.
0: Yeah. So I, 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 I guess I don't have a stake in this argument because I was just like, ah, I, you know, don't ask me who, who I think is more beautiful, oh, I guess.
1: that's fair. I personally, in my own opinion, think that the actress playing Lizzie is, is, more attractive, I find her more attractive. If that makes sense, like sure. again, they're both very pretty, but I was like my eyes drawn more to the actresses. I, I guess
0: I agree with that. You yeah, know? like I would be more attracted to Elizabeth than I would be Jane. Yeah, but then I can also see like I don't know, Jane has a more like classically yeah. pretty, like you know, like
1: I absolutely even like old timey Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, and so like talking about Lizzie and Jane. In this whole conversation that they're having about marriage and we're seeing their different ideals, they do get back down to like the more prudent ideas of marriage that I think speaks more truly to like the author, like what she's saying about, and you can see the satire in this, I guess. But beggars, you know, cannot be choosers.
4: We are not very poor, Lizzie.
5: With father's estate entailed away from the female line, we have little but our charms to recommend us. One of us at least will have to marry very well. And since you were quite five times as pretty as the rest of us and have the sweetest
2: disposition, I fear the task will fall on you to raise our fortunes.
3: But Lizzie, I should so much like to marry for love.
2: And
1: so you shall. I'm sure. Only take care you fall in love with a man of good
0: fortune. (laughs) Being sarcastic again.
1: Yeah, love Lizzie. She like undercuts such a serious thing, right? Like saying, where she's just kind of like, yeah, we're just gonna have to marry. And her sister's like, we're not that poor. Yeah, but when dad dies, everything will be taken from us. So one of us will have to marry well. And I guess it's gonna have to be you. (laughs) And you're gonna have to take care of us all. And she's joking about it. You're gonna have
0: to learn to love a man of good fortune.
1: Yeah, you know, we're just like, I just want to marry for love. It's like, you can do that. But also he has to be rich. Make sure he's rich before you start falling in love, you know, like, and that that's just says everything that we've been saying about, right? Like,
0: and that clip also demonstrates how uh, great the writing, the writing comes from the book. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, it's great already, but like the direction and the performances, like the actresses are reading this with such in such a natural way. Yeah, The, the, the they're doing such an excellent job getting you invested in this, you know. Over 150-year-old dialogue. Yeah. And I'm like, it just sounds like real people talking. <laughs> I was like, it's perfect.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's done so well. And they're so charismatic while doing it.
0: Yes. Um, and also, we hear more about their family, uh, what their family thinks of marriage, because that... This is a book about marriage. This, this is, is the, a show about marriage. This is, the, to me, like some of the dialogue that's the most satirical about mm-hmm. the institution of marriage uh, at this time, you mm-hmm. know, as a business transaction, because the, the parents obviously are investing so much time and energy and effort into getting their daughters married. Yeah. And like, the, Mrs. Bennett is the best <laughs> because she's so over the top.
1: As the character, the actor.
0: Yeah, the actress is also playing her over the top and being super extra, and I love it.
1: hmm And you know that your
5: father
4: has a will of iron? You're in the right, my dear. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I shall write to Mr. Bingley informing him that I have five daughters and he's welcome to any of them that he chooses. They're all silly and ignorant like other girls. Well, Lizzie has a little more wit than the rest, but then he may prefer a stupid wife as others have done before him. There, will that do?
5: No, no, I beg you will not write at all if you... Oh, you take delight in vexing me. You have no compassion on my poor nerves.
0: I love them so much. (laughs) It was like You you cut that clip earlier And you forgot to get My favorite line
5: Oh you text a delight In vetsing me I was
1: like I love that I'm so sorry I did I had that whole thing And I was like Oh that's too long I'll just cut no, it at No no
0: Now when it's these two <laughs> But well, yeah, like also, it's also very funny to hear the dad talk about like how dumb this. Yeah, now. just ignorant and silly girl. Most ah. of, most of my daughters are dumb, <laughs> except man, that one that I like. Maybe this one. Maybe this. Maybe the men do want a stupid wife. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> Many geez. before have. Gosh, he's such a. He's
0: no, they're not all terrible people. They, like
1: mm.
0: Mr. and Mrs. Bennett are bad people, yeah. but that's why they're funny. <laughs> That's why it's a satire. They're just
1: doing their best for their family.
0: No, they're too extra. <laughs> I got another clip of Mother Bennett being extra. So just to I'll introduce this clip and also introduce a bit more of the plot. So the rich Mr. Bingley has mm-hmm. moved into town mm-hmm. and the Bennets are like, oh, we got to move in on him. <laughs> we got to introduce him to all of our daughters so that he would want to marry one of them.
1: Yes, specifically Mrs. Bennett.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Bennett was like, oh, yo, we we got to make this happen, mm-hmm. right? So Mr., obviously like they're talking in that last clip about Inviting Mr. Bingley over for a party or something. or Being intru-
1: Introducing themselves. Because you can't have... You have to... I'm not going to go into the,
0: all the stuff. Either way, they want to yeah. meet him. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, so they meet Mr. Bingley at a party. Mm-hmm. And they have a grand old time. And he has an eye for Jane. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a... Basically, there's a conversation over dinner at the Bennett household where Mr. Bingley invites Jane over for... No, no... Mr. Bingley's family, his sisters, invite her over. Yeah. And Mrs. Bennet has her own, like, you know, Shakespearean plan to get (laughs) Jane over there and to, like, stay the night with Mr. Bingley. Mm.
5: Dine with Louisa
0: and me today,
5: as the gentlemen are to dine with the officers. Oh, that's unlucky. Still, you must go and make what you can of it. Yours ever, Caroline Bingley. Very elegant hand.
3: May I have a carriage, father?
5: The carriage? No, indeed. You must go on horseback, for it looks like rain. Then you will have to stay the night. (laughs) Mother! Why do you look at me like that? Would you go all the way to Netherfield and back without seeing Mr. Bingley? No, indeed.
0: You need to go ride your horse alone to the house so that when it starts raining, you'll have to stay the night.
1: Yeah, that's some... That's some real terrifying some some manipulation manipulation
0: that's what i'm saying like that is straight up satire because it's like the the, you know the this mother who's like bending over backwards to make this happen yeah that's funny to me
1: (laughs) and it's definitely a thing that someone's like i'm going to entrap you we're gonna do it yeah and that's that's basically she schemes real hard she does scheme yeah she's Oddly good at it, while also being the cringiest person you've ever seen, ever. I like, think
0: th- that's the strength of the dialogue and the, yeah. you know, the character.
1: Yeah. It's really well done. It's just also, there was many times where we would both be just like, no, stop, please. <laughs> We're embarrassed for you. We're not related.
0: Yep.
1: But with all of that, right? Like, so we've, like, introduced the people. Um, But the, the what Bennets. was, that we have introduced the Bennett's. But what was the word around town about the the new the new people in town?
0: The the Bingley's? Yeah. And their their people.
1: <laughs> Mr
5: Bingley has come to Netherfield. And Sir William Lucas has called on him. Save your breath to come to your parish kitty, I will tell Mama. I do not wish to know. What should we care for, Mr Bingley, since we are never to be acquainted with him? Forty servants, and he's very handsome and wears a blue coat. And he declared to Sir William that he loves to dance. And he's promised to come to the next ball. At the assembly room. On Saturday. And bring six ladies and four Mm -hmm. gentlemen. It was twelve ladies and seven gentlemen.
1: Too many ladies.
5: Oh, Lydia, I (laughs) beg you would stop. For we are never to know Mr Bingley, and it pains me to hear (laughs)
1: <laughs> she's so... She wants to get him so bad. She's so over the top. But yeah, so like they're new to town and just like, you know, it's not a small town, but news and gossip travels. Yeah.
0: So that's like the the scene of the first episode of this show. It takes place at the ball where mm-hmm. all the characters really meet each other for the first time. Right. right. All the Bennett sisters and Mother Bennett, they all go to this party and they meet Mr. Bingley and Mr. Bingley's people mm-hmm. and that's where you establish all the relationships of all the characters
1: right
4: only two ladies then after all do you know who they are Charlotte? Mr. Bingley's sisters I understand one of them is married to the gentleman there a Mr. Hurst the taller gentleman oh no the other
1: better and better <laughs> very elegant better pleased with themselves than what they
4: see I think
1: So it seems that Bingley didn't bring 12 gentlemen and 42 ladies, but instead just two ladies and... uh, And
0: they're his sisters.
1: And they're his sisters, one of which is married to a man whom Weedy got no clips for, but is just a raging drunk (laughs) (laughs) and um, a tall gentleman.
0: The Bingley sisters remind me of the stepsisters from Cinderella.
1: Huh. In that they're rude?
0: Yes. And like snobbish and... uh, I don't know. kind of just like kind of uppity. Yeah.
1: No, I no, I totally get that. Like they they Lizzie says it at the end of it. Like they are, they think very highly of themselves. Yeah. She's, they think they're much better than the place they are are here. And I think that Caroline is worse about it. Uh, the other sister tries, but she is like. "Quote unquote," well bred. So she just kind of has a distaste for most of these things, anyway.
0: Yeah, they're they're constantly throwing side eye. Oh my at, gosh, at the Bennets, so much! Like and, and just like you know, casual uh, insults about the Bennets right in front of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and like most of the, like I think Missus Bennet is too dumb to catch it, but like Lizzie just like yeah, just the, sees it and just like I I heard that.
1: Yeah, they <laughs> stop do it. That polite undertone, like not backhanded compliment, but a little bit like that, where they're just like. Oh, mm. and (laughs) Mrs. Bennett only handles... Here's the compliment.
0: Do you have any clips of Bingley getting introduced? I don't see a single clip about Bingley. I don't. Man, Bingley...
1: I find him the least interesting. He is pretty
0: uninteresting. He's just a very like...
1: He's a golden retriever, which is nice if you're a dog, but not if you're a person. He's a very
0: earnest, jovial, rich man. Yes. He's the... He's, the, he's a rich man with a heart of gold.
1: Like, why did I need any more on Bingley when everybody knew everything about him? We've gotten four Bingley clips already, but you know who we don't know anything about?
0: His dark, tall gentleman we friend. We don't know
1: anything about that tall gent. You see that gentleman there? Lady Lucas has just
5: told me he's Mr. Bingley's oldest friend. His name is Darcy, and he has a mighty fortune and a great estate in Derbyshire. Bingley's wealth is nothing to his. A year at least.
1: Don't you think he's the handsomest man you've ever seen, girls? I wonder if would be quite so handsome if he was not quite so rich. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I love that you laugh at this.
0: It's okay. Uh, that that there you go. You got you got Mr. Bingley, who's this pretty happy-go-lucky type guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a puppy. He, he does act like a puppy, and he is, like, super smitten with Jane Bennett. Almost immediately. Um, immediately. And so, like, that's the... It's like, th- the audiences are rooting for their relationship because it seems like an inevitability. Yeah. You know, and it's mostly like... Is it, like, Jane fighting against the class, like, system?
1: Is she? No, they're both... Uh, I don't know if nobility is a... a- thing still oh, at sure. this point? Oh, it is, it is. Yeah. They both, like, I don't think that uh, the Bennets are titled, but they are, um, they aren't peasants. They aren't but, poor and
0: stuff. But it's, it seems like Mr. Bingley and Jane both, like, don't care about the social, yeah. it, it, like, expectations of the marriage. So it's just like, now we love each other. Yeah. And we're gonna get married. Yeah. So then it's Jane, like, or no, sorry. And then on the other hand, you got... Elizabeth Lizzie mm-hmm. um, and it's clear from the start it's like oh is she gonna get together with Darcy like how's that gonna work <laughs> and it's not as easy as it was with Bingley and Jane right, and right, that's right. the that's the love story of Pride and Prejudice that everyone talks about it's Yeah. like how is the sassy Elizabeth gonna get with Darcy who is how would you describe him
1: grumpy I never
4: met so many pleasant girls in my life several of them uncommonly pretty you have been dancing with the only handsome girl in the room. Look, look. There's one of her sisters. She's very pretty, too. I dare say, very agreeable. She is tolerable, I suppose. But she's not handsome enough to tempt me. Bingley, I'm in no humour to give consequence to young ladies who are slighted by other men. Go back to your apartment and enjoy her smiles and wasting your time with me.
0: She's tolerable at, at the least.
1: He um one, that was really rude. Two, uh, people in this this era forget that other people have ears. He says that a solid six feet away. Enough for no corona to pass, but plenty of sound Liz- waves. Lizzie heard it. <laughs> Lizzie heard him call her, Lizzie heard. Bingley say, she's quite pretty, and she perked up. It's so like, oh, that's such a nice thing. And then here's Darcy says, she's toler- tolerable at best, and not handsome enough to tempt me. <laughs> Bro, I'm coming for your kneecaps. What is wrong with you? Yeah,
0: yeah. Dar- That is the first impression that Elizabeth and us get of Darcy. It's like, oh, cool. He's a jerk. Yeah. He's a sullen jerk. He hates everybody. He hates being there. He doesn't want to do anything, and then it's just like... Cool, and 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 how how does the story get us to want to see these two characters get together? At the
1: you end? have no idea.
0: I don't. <laughs> I assume there's a lot of you know grand imaginations and you know oh, backstabbing man. and we're watching an episode. Of as we're done with this. We're, we're gonna. Watch I've this read Victoria show. novels before. We're I,
1: gonna... I I know what I'm getting into. I don't care. We're watching this whole thing before this episode comes out. <laughs> it's. He just doesn't do good. Okay, I want to, like, defend him a little bit, right? He's a
0: great character.
1: Yeah, he is a great character. And I, I do want to say, before this, he he was forced to um, interact with Mrs. Bennet, and Mrs. Bennet, loudly, while staring directly at him, was like, how rude and terrible he is, and da-da-da, and just talks a lot of crap. So he probably was like, yeah, I'm not getting mixed up with these Bennett's. They're money-grubbing and classless. Fair did he need to say the things that he did about this woman who has had not a bad word to say about him in earshot at the very least?
0: A woman he's never talked to. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Just rude. <laughs> just rude. We have several clips called Darcy's a grump. <laughs> because he is a grump.
1: He is a grump. And I just want you guys to to see that he
0: is a grump. Colin Firth, take it away. Darcy, I shall never understand why you go through the world determined to be displeased with everything and everyone in it.
4: And I will never understand why you are in such a rage to approve of everything and everyone that you meet.
0: Well, you shall not make me think ill of Miss Bennet, Darcy. You
1: know, like when you're friends with a jolly, jolly robot... That's that's what he is, apparently. <laughs> a jolly, jolly robot. Like, sometimes you just gotta tone it down. Like, why are you so happy? Have a drink and be a sad drunk. But, I mean, they're best friends.
0: Bingley's the positive one, and Darcy's the negative He's one. He's just the
1: dark cloud. The Dars cloud.
3: <laughs> and,
0: so, yeah, at this point, basically by the end of the episode, Bingley is, like, interest- very, very interested in Jane. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's where that direction's going. And then... Darcy is this huge jerk that, as the episode goes on, slowly realizes, like, oh, crap. I am, like, infatuated with Lizzie Bennet. Yeah. Which is a real... I think that happens in people sometimes. Yeah. like, you write someone off, and then, like... I don't know, it's just, like, it's stuck in your head. And you, like, almost have this... It's sort of, like, a weird romantic thing. Not, not, like, tradition... I'm talking, like, classically romantic. Mm -hmm. Like, art romance. Yeah. It's, like, the infatuation comes... And it's like this pain in him, and he, he hates it. Like, I, I hate that I'm infatuated with Elizabeth Bennet. That's
1: sort of how our relationship went.
0: Antagonistic.
1: <laughs> it was very antagonistic at first.
0: And yeah, so Darcy being more of a grump. What is this? What does he have to say here?
1: I believe
5: I can guess your thoughts at this moment.
0: I should imagine not.
5: You are thinking how insupportable it would be to spend many evenings in such tedious
4: company. No, indeed, my mind was more agreeably engaged. I've been meditating on the very great pleasure which a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman can bestow. And
5: may
1: one dare ask, whose are the eyes that inspired these reflections?
4: Miss Elizabeth Bennetts.
1: He says with no hesitation to the woman who's clearly been... Very into him this whole time, I was Elizabeth?
0: Gonna say huh? She, she hasn't been into him. No,
1: he says that to Catherine,
0: who is into Carolyn. Caroline, is she into him? Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that.
1: You didn't catch. The girl is drooling over him in every scene. Oh, I didn't, yeah. She's always like, mm-hmm, right, Darcy. Mm-hmm. Oh, from Darcy.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure. There you go. There's some conflict.
1: She's definitely into him.
0: She's she's more of his class. But- yeah. So I'm sure she. And she knows
1: he has a lot of money.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so she, uh, yeah. So he, I mean, he, he straight up like just like acknowledges it too. Yeah. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm infatuated with Elizabeth Bennet. Uh, I would, I would like to spend many nights talking to her. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It was.
1: <laughs> it's really interesting though, because this happens right after he gets put in a position um, where someone is like, "Hey, you should dance with Lizzie." And the first time that happened, he, like, walked away without saying anything because he didn't want to. And this time he's like, that's cool. I'd like to dance with her. And she was like, I'm good. I'm going to go
0: check on my sister. You should go dance with someone who's more tolerable.
1: <laughs> I think she did use that word and, like, walks away. And he's like, she's got a backbone. I'm into that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really was. She And she turned me down. But in a polite way, like, she actually knows... Hmm. And he was like, "Uh, but you're right. He does like very quickly own up. He he isn't like dithering about it like,
0: uh. Yeah, but he he realizes like, "Oh crap, I've made a I've made a bad first impression." Yep. This is going to be an uphill battle for me. Yes, it is, sir. And I think that that's th- like as uh, as horrible as he is in this first episode, like mm-hmm. that I, there's a moment where I was just like, "No, no, no hold on. I recognize now the struggle." <laughs> that he has to get, like work his way up, yeah. to to gain Mrs. Bennett, You know, I know yeah. it's not it's not a game to be won or whatever, but like no, I understand now he has an uphill battle. He he has something he needs to you know fight against,
1: yeah, within
0: himself too. And he needs to change and develop and be better, right? But it's like I can get behind him. Yeah, I, he can be a hero that I can get behind.
1: He can be a hero, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: You're right. Like I think it it is done very well and like that you picked up on it so quick. You're like, "Oh." Yeah. It's
0: it's really well done. It's like great characterization. Mm-hmm. It's like Mr. Darcy feels like a real person. Yeah. You know? And
1: I think like all the small little idios- idiosyncrasies that Firth puts into it as well makes it so yes. the character breathable and it works with the writing very well. It's like he's
0: Colin Firth plays it very like he's very dry and direct mm-hmm. and like dismisses everybody like yeah he just just feels like distant from everybody but at the same time like there's little things he does where he like he humanizes mr darcy
1: yeah like he's haughty but within reason
0: yeah it's it's just it's a masterfully done yeah performance so like colin firth good job man
1: this is why this is the one
0: this is why he's (laughs) mr darcy uh we want to you want to hear a conversation between darcy and Lizzie, the
1: only the only real conversation they have this first episode,
0: yeah, and it's good because it it, it plays off like a battle of wits. Mm-hmm. It's like two sarcastic people who like don't like each other, but are also like are Re- res- getting to kind know each other.
1: like yeah. you got to respect the game, I guess. A man without fault.
4: That is not possible for anyone, but it has been my study to avoid those weaknesses which expose a strong understanding to ridicule. Such
1: as vanity,
4: perhaps, and pride. Yes, vanity is a weakness indeed. But pride... Where there is a real superiority of mine, pride will always be under good regulation. I have faults enough, Miss Bennet, but I hope they are not of understanding. My temper I cannot vouch for. My good opinion, once lost, is lost
0: forever.
1: That is a failing indeed but I cannot laugh at it. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I will say literally two lines after that, they're fighting again.
0: <laughs> That's good. You, you, it gets the whole the whole audience is like, yeah, we're rooting for these kids.
1: Yeah, like you could see them having a like intellectual
0: partnership. I want them to be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I want their relationship to be healthy. So yeah. I hope that they <laughs> work through. they go to therapy. <laughs> they, they can't. <laughs> There's no therapy. Therapy is
1: witchcraft in this time period.
0: But also like, So Mr. Darcy is like, I'm so humble. (laughs) I'm the most humblest man. It was like, it's like he's being prideful about being so humble. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny. But that is like, that's really the first episode of Pride and Prejudice. You know, like there's, there's a lot in there that a lot we glossed over. Yeah. Because, you know, we're just giving the general sense of what the show, you know, is based on and where Mm -hmm. it goes from here. But it's great.
1: It's great. It's cozy.
0: It's very cozy.
1: (laughs) The music sometimes is a little bit loud, but as you heard in the clips, but it's a good, it's a really good show. They're like, obviously, you kids, you have to know that it's a a good show because I've watched it more than once.
0: (laughs) It's just like everything about it is like masterfully crafted. Yeah. So,
1: and it's on film.
0: It sounds like a recommend from you, then.
1: Absolutely. I would
0: also recommend it.
1: We're going to finish watching it.
0: I, I intend to finish watching it. Yeah. It's only six episodes.
1: I know. You want to, like, read the book along? So, like, no. just read until where the chapter where the book no, ends no, no, with the no, first that's too episode? too much. Too much. I mean, I wasn't going to read it. I was saying that for you.
0: Maybe one day. <laughs> it did make me want to read the book and then also read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies because I'm sure <laughs> that would be fun. But how was this show received? Very well. Yes. Spoilers very well. <laughs> Between 10 and 11 million people watched the original six-episode broadcast on BBC One. Get it. And when the show was first broadcast on A&E in 1996, 3.7 million Americans tuned in.
1: Get it, get it?
0: So, you know, a third of the audience, but that's something. (laughs) Yeah? To get Americans to watch uh, British television with thick British accents in 1996. Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying, That's a good
0: thing. That's an achievement.
1: It is an achievement. Pride
0: and Prejudice received overwhelmingly positive reviews with praise going to the series cast, script, direction, production, design, and faithfulness to the source material. Uh, The Independent praised Andrew Davies for, quote, injecting into the proceedings a pace and energy, which at last provides a visual setting to do justice to the wit of the book. With everyone slinging themselves about at high speeds, the dances in a first for the genre actually involved a bit of sweat it looks like the people are doing something they would never have suspected they did in Austin's time, having fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a stuffy, like, boring show. It's yeah. lively and fun, and it seems real. Yeah. Uh, the show was equally well-received in the U.S., with the, with the New York Times calling the series a splendid adaptation with a remarkable, faithful, and sensitively nuanced script.
1: Mm, agreed.
0: They did, however, also remark that American audiences might find the, quote... Langorious walks through meadows and quote ornately choreographed dances of the British production Too Slow. Nah, they were fine. I was like, that's something that I'm concerned about, but how concerned do I really need to be about that?
1: About that, because there's so much conversation that happens during those. It's not just like, oh, we're walking. Well, I mean, she does walk through the meadows in her dress for a, a bit, but it's just like, it's pretty. Show off the countryside.
0: Yeah. Pride and Prejudice received a BAFTA Television Award nomination for Best Drama Serial, Best Costume Design, and Best Makeup and Hair, and Colin Firth and Benjamin Wittrow were both nominated for Best Actor.
1: Uh, was Benjamin Wittrow played Wicca?
0: Benjamin Wittrow played Mr. Bennett.
1: <laughs> there you go. Because I was like, it can't be Bingley. No offense. You did a great job, but your character is cardboard.
0: Jennifer Ely won the BAFTA for Best Actress. Good so
1: job, Elizabeth Jennifer. Bennett.
0: Firth won the 1996 (laughs) Broadcasting Press Guild Award for Best Actor, and the series as a whole received the same award for Best Drama Series and Serial. Nice. In the U.S., the series won an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Costume Design for a Miniseries or a Special, and was nominated for Outstanding Miniseries, Outstanding Writing for a Variety or Music Program, and Outstanding Choreography. Okay. The Sunday Times noted in 2007 that, quote, Colin Firth will forever be remembered as the perfect Mr. Darcy. (laughs) Newsday stated in 2008 that Firth was, quote, universally acknowledged as the definitive Mr. Darcy. So, I am not alone. (laughs) (laughs) A 2000 poll of industry professionals conducted by the British Film Institute ranked the serial at number 99 in the 100 greatest British television programs of the 20th century, and Radio Times included the serial in their list of 40 greatest TV programs ever made in 2003. Hmm. and it was named by Entertainment Weekly as as one of the 20 best miniseries of all time.
1: I want to see that list. I mean, I, I agree, but I wonder what other things are on that list.
0: So obviously Pride and Prejudice, like the book, has a, a legacy that's lived on and is continuing to live on. Correct. So let's just talk about the legacy of this show in particular. Okay,
1: yeah, that's
0: probably. Pride and Prejudice ran for six episodes on the BBC from September to October '95 it then ran in the US on AE in January 96 alongside other adaptations of Jane Austen's novels like Persuasion, Sense and Sensibility and Emma this serial was part of a wave of Jane Austen enthusiasm which caused the membership of the Jane Austen Society of North America to jump 50% in 1996 to an over to over 4000 members in the autumn of 1997 wow yeah so people were like we're into Jane Austen now I
1: love her romances.
0: Some, new, some newspapers like the Wall Street Journal refer to it as Austin Mania. <laughs> this is the, not the only Austin Mania going on in 1997, I will tell you that. Stone Cold Steve Austin oh got my his gosh, stomach.
1: no. No. No ring history here. I
0: want to hear Steve Austin read Jane Austen.
1: Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> you take such great glutton vexing me. What? Stop it. <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: No, yeah. for shame! Shame on you! Shame on your cow!
0: She's tolerable at best. Can I get a hell yeah?
1: <laughs> no! Get out of here! I'm leaving. We're done with this episode. Good night, kids.
0: One scene in particular of the show has been recognized as quote one of the most unforgettable moments in British TV history by publications like the Guardian, and the New York Times. Yeah. What was that scene? It's the lake scene. Colin Sh- Colin Firth gets wet. Yep. Does he take off his shirt? Nope. Because
1: this is the Regency era
0: and you will remain clothed. So he's just got a white, wet shirt. Yes. <laughs> Colin Firth at the wet t-shirt contest. You just got to
1: see it, babe. You just got to see it. We, can, we we got a few more episodes. So you just got to see it.
0: <laughs> the way it was described reminds me of like the scene in the first James Bond where the woman comes out of the, the ocean in the bikini. Like, it probably is. It's like this iconic moment of this like sexy human being like coming out of the water. Yep. Colin, I don't even find Colin Firth all that attractive. Like, is he an attractive man?
1: I think when he was younger.
0: Those mutton chops. I don't. Like yeah, them. I was.
1: I was specifically picturing the mutton
0: chops. <laughs> too, too many mutton chops in the show. That's the. Only, that's my only negative. Too many mutton chops.
1: Um, I, he's attractive. He's attractive to some people. I don't find him attractive. He's a good-looking man.
0: I, I guess I don't
1: know. He's got good proportions in his face. He's a very puffy face. I like puffy faces. I like cheeks. He has big cheeks.
0: (laughs) And the series, like this series in particular, inspired author Helen Fielding to write the popular Bridget Jones novels. Yep. And their screen and their screen adaptations subsequently featured Firth as Bridget's love interest, Mark Darcy.
1: Yep. Told you. Well, I mean, you already knew. You did the research. I don't know what
0: is Bridget Jones.
1: Um, it's just like a retelling in some sort of fashion of. Mm, Okay, here's the thing. I never read or watched Bridget Jones' diaries, but Bridget Jones was obsessed. The character, I think, was obsessed with, like, Austin's stuff. I don't know. I don't know what they're about, but I know Firth is in it and that other English guy that's in everything.
0: So if you like Bridget Jones' novels, let us know and know that Pride and Prejudice was the reason those were written.
1: I mean, you had to know.
0: Anyway, that is Pride and Prejudice. We're done.
1: Yay!
0: Very cozy episode.
1: It's such a cozy episode. Who won? I did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Pride and Prejudice beat Little Bear. <laughs> it did. Where's the scene where Little Bear comes out of the lake? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Weird. Little Bear wore less clothes than Colin Firth did.
1: That's fair. <laughs> Ew.
0: Uh, well, yep, that's that's an easy win for Jess.
1: Yeah. It looks like I cleaned up this year. I won music. Now I won TV.
0: Didn't win movies, though.
1: Yes, it did. No. It Takes Two is better.
0: No, no, no. No, yeah, it was. We, already, we already had this discussion. <laughs> What's next? Runners, runners Up? Runners Up. Let us, tell me. What are, what are our Runners okay. Up? Okay.
1: So the Runners Ups for you were What a Cartoon, which I didn't realize was a show. I thought it was just a podcast you listened no, no, to. No, no,
0: no, no. Yeah, it was a, What a Cartoon was a pilot program. Mm-hmm. I believe it was, was it on Nickelodeon? It's either Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. It was like basically they where they would air- Unaired pilots or, mm-hmm. or pilot, like they would take submissions, they would air on What a Cartoon as like a package, right? And then those shows might potentially be made into full series. Yeah. I believe Family Guy got its start huh. on that How show. How long
1: did the show run? Like for a while? I think
0: for a few years. Like it was like basically a program to help young animators get shows yeah. picked
1: up. I think that like Chalk Zone was on What a Cartoon. It might have been, like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another runner up, Timon and Pumbaa.
0: Yep, we've already talked to Timon and Pumbaa. That was the Lion King television show. Watched mm-hmm. that all the time when I got home from school.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Pinky and the Brain.
0: Pinky and the Brain, it's, it's all right.
1: <laughs> Pinky and the Brain and Alamira.
0: Not that one. <laughs> Ugh, that one's gross. But no, Pinky and the Brain's fine. Like I, I, I watched that one after school as well. I think Pinky and the Brain is not as good as Animaniacs, but it is better than Tiny Toons.
1: Ah, it's a whole spectrum. Yeah. Uh, runner's up for me uh, was Gundam Wing, oh. which, you know, uh, as we were going through this, uh, <laughs> we were going through them, You're we like, Gundam Wing. I was like, which Gundam is that? That's
0: the Gundam. <laughs> I even know that. I didn't watch... I've never seen an episode of... Gun- well, I, I think I've seen one episode of Gundam mm-hmm. in my life. And it's like, from Gundam Wing. There's like 50 Gundams, but yeah. I I know that Gundam Wing was the one that everyone watched on Toonami.
1: Here's the thing. I just called them all good gu- Like Sailor Moon yeah. has a bunch of like, Sailor Moon R, Sailor, they're all Sailor Moon. I don't, I don't, yeah. they're all Sailor Moon. All Gundams are Gundams. Don't come for me. I, I understand that they're all different series. I was listening with different to a people, podcast. With different, with different eras and universes. All Gundam is Gundam.
0: I was listening to a podcast this morning. Where one of the hosts said, if you like, if you like Gundam Wing, you don't like Gundam. <laughs> or something like that. It's like, you don't, you're not a real Gundam fan. Excuse you. So I guess there's a lot of gatekeeping in the Gundam community. Yeah,
1: that's like one of those things, like, oh, I watch anime. What do you watch? Pokemon? That's not it. An- Literally it's anime. Shut up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Gundam. Wing. I don't remember much, but I remember some stuff. Then Brotherly Love with the Lawrence Brothers. Oh. Oh Have we
0: talked to Lawrence Brothers at all on the uh, show yet?
1: I don't know on the show. We talk about them a lot in in our lives, strangely. <laughs> we watch Horse Sense. We watch Horse Sense. Uh, the middle Lawrence Brother is in later seasons of Voy World.
0: Uh they they re- the youngest Uh, Lawrence brother recently directed Money Plane
1: (laughs) (laughs) recently (laughs) Um, you only said that because you want to put another wrestling thing in here
0: no no only oh yeah Edges and Money Plane but no we watched Red Letter Media's review of Money Plane it looks horrible
1: it looks wonderful it looks like somebody did it um. Okay, and then I watched Parenthood with a apostrophe in it because there is a Parenthood that's running. I don't know if it's still running now, but it's Parenthood. It was a black TV show.
0: <laughs> don't, didn't watch a lot of those.
1: No, we know. <laughs> don't we know, kids? It was the black mm. sitcom.
0: It was kind of a blind spot for uh.
1: Rod. Um, and then my other runner-up was just show I probably watched that most that um definitely got us in trouble on this whole thing was news radio news radio which is a great show it's funny
0: yeah you know one could say that i did a lot of research about (laughs) news radio and got clips for it before we watched bright prejudice
1: don't worry it'll be in a dark episode
0: (laughs) somewhere sometime
1: we'll get it done so
0: yeah news radio it's a sitcom
1: it's it is a situational comedy set
0: and in a there, news at a news station.
1: At a news station, uh, a, 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 a radio station that only says the news. So it obviously had to be AM radio. And sports. Uh, there were some sports news. as news. That's true. Um,
0: so yeah, those those were all of our runners up, and that was our show. Yeah, quite quite an array. One thousand, nine hundred and ninety-five. Very uh, great variety.
1: Great variety and a very short show. Honestly, for us, we'll see.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't feel, I, I yeah, I'm not as. You no, know, I feel like
1: it'll be our shortest show, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I doubt that, but, but. Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
1: It was a lot of fun. Time
0: to go out with plugs, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, some hair plugs.
0: You tell that joke every time. Do I? Yeah.
1: Well, maybe we should stop recording at nighttime when I get sleepy. Do you cut it every time? No. Do I say it every time, kids? I have more in my repertoire. Wait, hold on, say it again. It's time for plugs. Plug it in, plug it in.
0: Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at MediaMateShow and you can follow us on Instagram at MediaMateShow. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. put up polls where you can vote on which show you like better. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We also share our videos and pictures and art and other fun things. Uh, we might find the the Little Bear production, the, the stage production. Yeah. Uh, also, you can do a few things to help your show. Uh, you can. Review us or leave us a comment on the pod co- on your podcast platform of choice. Um, and just tell a friend. Tell a few friends. want to get the word out there, uh, and, you know, spread the word around. Spread the media made love around. <laughs> do
1: it. Tie your friend to a chair and make them listen to it. Well, okay, that's going to have a negative association.
0: Don't do that. As for me personally, you can follow me on Twitter at RodTheMaster. That's at RodTheMaster. Um, I host a wrestling YouTube show called Keep k Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. Um, we follow the careers of our favorite professional wrestlers. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, you can check that out. Um, I also write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net, where we write all about the Legend of Zelda video game series. Um, so if you like that, you check that out too.
1: Uh, if you would like to see me, I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I haven't put anything up on it. So It's
0: Taming Tales. Excuse
1: you. That's my secret. It's my secret. I'm mad
0: now. What happens on Taming Tales?
1: Nothing. (laughs) Literally nothing is happening at Taming Tales. That's why I wasn't going to share my news. There's nothing there. There's nothing. (laughs) I have been really busy. It's hard. It's hard putting food on the table, kids.
0: (laughs) And with that, we're (laughs) going to get this show out of here. We're going to go to sleep (laughs) because Jess is tired.
1: I'm not tired.
0: Um, so we were actually at a loss trying to figure out what we're going to c- close the show out with. Like, what song? And, uh, like, Jess went and looked at and listened to some of the songs from the Pride and Prejudice Broadway play. Mm. And they were not good. They weren't not good. But they weren't
1: what we were looking
0: for. Right. I, I looked up basically music inspired by Pride and Prejudice. I found the song Mrs. Bennett by the band Glass Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we love Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> uh, that, that's the song we're going to go out with. So, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time with our movies of 1996. We need to go now.
1: Bye!
5: Bye! <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, do it from time to